It's time for episode 17 of That Time I Got Reincarnated in the Same World as an Anime Podcaster. I got distracted that thinking our episode <laughs> number could almost buy smokes. <laughs> uh, where we talk about anime, manga, isekai, and all the meta in between. I'm your host, Isekai Sensei-sama, a.k.a. Brad, and I'm joined in this week ball by Bento Baggins, a.k.a. Ben. Hello. And Kermit D. Grog, a.k.a. Andrew. Ahoy hoy. We're friends who've been watching anime for a long time and having conversations about it and the manga that we're reading. So those conversations turned into this podcast. So today, before we jump into our discussion, we've actually got a lot of stuff to go over. Wow. So in case anybody hasn't noticed, I actually do time codes for these. Uh, you can find them in like the podcast apps or on YouTube. They actually lets you jump around in different sections. Um, most of the time, I just have, you know, intro, a discussion, and then the isekai segment and, rec- you know, so on. Um, today, what you'll find... Um, many more time codes for this intro section because there's so many things that we're going to be going over here. Wow. So busy boys. Uh, if, if we're boring you at the beginning, you can just jump straight to the discussion. <laughs> so to kick it off, we got some news items here to go over. Uh, first off, Freerin is back. Uh, it didn't seem like it was gone for that long. Yeah, it was a very short hiatus. Uh, but it was apparently two months. Oh, yeah, it was months, on hiatus. So. Okay, I, the way you spoke about it, it seemed like it was going to be like for yeah. foreseeable future. Well, that's I what the I thought. foreseeable future was two months. I thought that it was going to be until like the anime came out, you know. But um, no, it's back already, which I am very happy about. Yeah. Uh, another thing I'm very happy about, Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2 Woo! got its release date. Anybody want to have a guess? I want to say I saw an article that said August, even though I thought originally it was April, but I might have just mixed up my A months. I watched the trailer, so <laughs> I, I should know this. Uh, I want to say April, but I feel like I'm confusing it with something. July 6th. <laughs> Close enough. In the betweens. Well, since you guys are so hyped about April, I've got a, a pretty big list here of April release dates. So I'm going to go over these. Um, these are all ones that uh, we, the Weeb Cabal, are connected to in some way. Oh. It's not every single release no, that's crazy. coming out. But um, so to start off, April 1st, this is not a joke. So you're pulling my leg? The Dangers in My Heart. I don't know what that is. Yeah. This is a, that's a uh, manga that I read. You know, I'm, I'm using my superpower to manifest animes. Um, it's uh, like a slice of life high school kind of thing. It's incredibly cute. Um, so I'm going to check that out. Uh, next is the aristocrats, otherworldly adventure serving gods who go too far. Oh, wow. That is, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. That's on the second. Uh, I can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast, but this is one where the, the girls get into his harem by just like declaring it themselves we were talking about i can't i don't think this was on the podcast but kermit i was talking to you about it how it pissed me off because all the girls get mad at him when another girl is like i'm gonna be his wife and it's like he's he doesn't have any say in it he's a victim in all this exactly yes um but as you can guess from the title it's the god's fault so um in another world with my smartphone season two 
coming April 3rd. It seems like <laughs> I haven't watched it. I don't know anything about it. That just seems like such a strange premise. Oh, it's, is it? it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense to me in the vein of like Dr. Stone. I know it's not going to be done as well, which is like, what if you were in another world, but you just had your smartphone and despite the fact that you were in another place that had Wi-Fi towers or satellites, it just did what smartphones did. Yeah. Except it then does way more than smartphones okay, do. Okay, then now I'm not interested There's, anymore. At right? one point, he <laughs> uses it to target all of the enemies in order to cast magic to destroy all the enemies at the same time. That's dumb. Um, you know, yeah. To each their own. <laughs> I enjoy it. Some of us are more excited for it than others. <laughs> Speaking of Dr. Stone, Dr. Stone season three. It's the pirate one, isn't it? Yeah, I think Who so. Who knows if we'll watch it? <laughs> uh, April 6th. Wait. It's coming. Did that not already come out? No. The movie. Oh, oh okay. That's is what the I'm movie a pirate about. adventure? What's the movie? I think the movie is about them getting together to start the pirate adventure. Okay, because I could have sworn season two ends with them getting ready to get on a boat and them all in nice outfits. Maybe we'll watch that. We'll, t- we'll point our eyeballs at it and then I'll throw a hissy fit, I'm sure. The Ancient Magus Bride, season two. Does anybody know what that is? I'm actually interested in that. I've seen the manga. I own the manga of it, as it turns out. I've never read it. (laughs) Never read it. Uh, I I think my wife might have bought it. Mm. I'm not sure. I really like it. It's. I think it's a great series. But yeah, I was interested in that one. I feel like yeah. that was one that you told me about in our very, very early days because that name is in my head, but there's mm-hmm. no other information stored under that file besides remembering of being in the office. I'm not sure when I'm actually going to watch it, though, because there's like two or three OVAs that I haven't watched that I need to. So we'll see when we get to that. I got a cheat skill in another world and became unrivaled in the real world, too. What? April 6th. That's the one that I was talking to you about, about the guy who finds like a door in the back of his dead grandpa's house. Okay. And he goes and he like gets really, so he starts off, he's fat, right? And he saves this girl. Everybody hates him, except he saves this girl and she's like, oh, he's great. Um, And then he goes to this other world. And auditorily hear me rolling my eyes. He gets all buff and and everything. And then he comes back because it's a door. He can just go back and forth. And so now everybody's like, oh, he's so great and everything. You know how it goes. I know how it meets a fawn named Mr. Tumnus. Um, (laughs) Jesus is there, but he's a lion. That's yeah, actually. (laughs) That's what I was. Uh, I I like the I like the manga. I'm I'm not so sure about the anime. I saw some of the visuals, and I'm like, "Eh." it's an isekai. Yeah, sure, put it out into the world. That that might be this season's uh, shovelware isekai. Unfortunately, I'm sure there's going to be more than one. Don't worry, people. If you'd like shovels full of isekai, I'm my little scrolling told me there's still more of them it's the spring of isekai uh mashal mashal I, I also care about mashal oh by the way i forgot to mention these dates might be the original air dates like in japan because it's mashal says april 7th but i want to say that crunchyroll said the 9th so these days might be a couple days ahead from mm. when us uh Westerners can get access to stuff. I'm sure we'll get them. I'm really split. I'm interested in Mashal, but like, man, those trailers. Those trailers don't get it, and I don't know if it's trying to save the joke. Like, I'm going to watch. We're going to watch Mashal. We're going to watch as much of season one until we go. This is working or this isn't working. (laughs) But like right now, it looks like it has production values, but it also just doesn't look like it gets it. Well, like I like making me nervous. I like the trailers, but I don't think they do. They sell the show. That's what I'm saying. They're not like bad. It's not like man, this is a bad trailer. It's just like. 
I don't think you guys know what this is <laughs> or that you got it in the way that we got it. And that's what makes me... But, like, again, I don't know if this is, like, a kind of bait-and-switch where it's, like, come for the Harry Potter, stay for Punching Wizards. I'm also not really sold on the visuals. Really? Yeah. I don't think we haven't seen it in, like, motion motion yet. It doesn't blow me away, but, I mean, that's how I figured a Mashal. Well, yeah, Mashal, you save yeah. all your things for when he's actually doing yeah, stuff and probably. not the, the interstitials. You freaking cut that budget down. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. We're, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Summon to another world. Again? Oh my gosh, I can see why you said this is its own time. <laughs> April 8th. So Summon to Another World again. Um, I mean, it's exactly what it says in the title. The guy was isekai He saves the world. He makes friends with everybody. He's it's all, He gets re And then he gets re isekai <laughs> I don't want to say that one. We need another another word for that now. Yeah. But that's when I read. Um, I enjoy the manga. I have a feeling that's going to be another shovel. shovel. Isekai. Um, there's got to be at least two a season, right? Um, Demon Slayer, April 9th. I talked about the movie last episode, didn't I? Or have uh, I not done that yet? Did we talk about the movie? I don't, I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast. I don't think it had happened yet. Let's, let's take a short uh, <laughs> intermission here to talk about the insult that was Let the demon slayer movie i was the one that experienced it so i went to go see the demon slayer quote unquote movie quote unquote um with some other friends that were also watching demon slayer and i'm like oh my gosh this will be a little movie that'll like either be the start of the next one like i thought this was going to be demon train again uh it's not uh you get a short version of a, a nicely edited version of like hey here's the story so far except it's not because they skip over like all of spider completely you just get a little bit of demon train and then you end in literally and i say literally as in like actual this actual happened this is not hyperbole this is not me being facetious or joking literally the last two episodes of the last season of the pleasure district there is no editing you literally get the op when it happens you get the credits both times you get commercial break moments it is literally two episodes put back to back and it's miserable, and I hate those episodes because the last episode is just the flashback for the two villains, which I despised the first time, and you better believe when I'm in the theater, knowing I'm stuck on this ride for a while, watching a thing that I didn't like the first time, but I, I'm not in my own home, so I can't just yell at it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get the little light where I get like an extended episode that is the first episode of the next season of them going to, what, the Swordsmith's Village? Mm-hmm. And if that was not good, I probably would have rioted. Um, I actually had a good time with it. I get, I always forget when we have these really long, brutal fights in Demon Slayer how much Demon Slayer is funny and charming and personable when it gets to be. And there was a lot of moments that like genuinely made me laugh a lot, and I had a really good time. So, um, I mean, obviously it's out of theaters by the time you're hearing this. Like, Obviously don't go see that. You've already seen it. But the new season so far, looking good. Excited to watch it. Still such an insult. I know. I'm like, dude, you are, you are like the moment of just like, I can't just riff on this. I'm in a movie theater, even though there's only like three other people in the theater besides us. Like <laughs> they had a lot better time than I did. So it's probably a good idea that I didn't try to start heckling. And they charged you 
a full movie ticket price yep. for that. Yep. Oh my god. Yep. I, I bet in Japan they they had like toys or something they handed out with the ticket. You know, like and genuinely here. Sorry to sidebar more. I literally would have been happy paying the same exact price if you gave me a really like edited down version of like here's all that's happened to this moment, and then just right into the start to that first episode of the new season. And it would have been probably 30 minutes or more or less, and I would have been completely content. I would have been fine with that. I had a good time. It's fun to go out and see these things in movie theaters with people. Like, I'm here for the gimmick of it. It's just the fact that I had to sit through things that I'd already seen that I didn't like the first time and that I was stuck with it with no <laughs> editing. I, I saw the entire credits for the entire thing played twice, once after the end of the pleasuristic thing, and then again after the first episode of the story. Yeah, not good. You know... The really lame after the, other really good anime things I've seen in theaters. The first couple episodes of the last season were literally the the train. Yeah, it's literally the Mugen train. Except if you didn't go see the movie, was, which like I get it. There was stuff cut out. Yeah. It wasn't like exactly the same. If they had done that, I would have been like, okay, whatever. Like because the the movie was actually good. The movie was good, and it was, was what stuff, happened next. Right. There was it stuff was something in it. new. It was worthwhile. Now I think we did skip the first couple episodes because yeah, of that. We had seen the movie, but that was at least like, oh, they put some effort into this. the The way you describe this is this a cash in. This is, is literally like, a cash in preview. And if it was what, just the preview, what were they I still thinking? I don't know. They were thinking it's popular enough that people. Just give will, me the new episode. There's no reason the to do the last episode. two. They probably had something. Because if you don't know Demon Slayer, you're confused as heck why everybody's half dead. You're in a giant <laughs> burned village. I don't know who these two villains are that see. Like, you don't know. Like, you're not going to learn anything to make any of it make sense. Like, yeah. it's this is not somewhere that you can get on board or, like, get caught up to speed enough to know what's going on. It's it's the last two episodes of the last season. You will not know what's going on if you haven't been watching Demon Slayer. It's almost like the... the I don't get it. The Demon Train movie worked and so they were like oh we have to put a movie in between seasons but there wasn't enough time to actually make a movie and so some executive was just like well the the demon train was three episodes first three episodes of the new season that would have been fine too i really like i had a really good time like as soon as we got (laughs) to the new footage i came out being a lot happier because i had a good time with it okay we've spent too much time on this okay you'll be excited when demon slayer comes out it's good well one more thing to mention that's coming out very soon, which is Konosuba. You again? didn't even know that again? was Again? <laughs> that's what it's called, Konosuba. <laughs> no, again. it's actually called An Explosion on This Wonderful World. Oh, that means it's a different thing, isn't it? What? Konosuba is like the No, first... each season has a different... Okay, I didn't on. know that. Yeah. Um, there's no exact date for that oh, for some reason, it's, it's but it's, soon. it's April. Beware. So be warb. I'm going to watch it. Okay. Have fun. Tell me about it. Report back. All right. One more intermission. This is not something that's a release date, uh, but go for it, Kermit. So it did come out recently for purchase after it was in theaters is uh, I saw and also Ben saw though separately uh, the movie Dragon Ball Super colon Superhero, um, which semi-recently came out. Uh, I just want to say, if you're a fan of Dragon Ball, go check it out. It is a delight. It's really funny. I saw the dub, at least. Can't speak to the sub. Um, it moves really well. It has a lot of like acknowledging of old Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z stuff without feeling too... like reliant on your nostalgia but it feels like it rewards it 
without depending on it a lot of the time, though you should probably know what's going on with Dragon Ball. <laughs> um, I love the new animation style. I think the fights look very dynamic. They're having a really good time with it. It's any fight where you can feel the joy of what's going on, of the people making it, or at least I think I can feel it. Um, it's a good time. It reminded me a lot of... I did recently reconsume original Dragon Ball um, through a combination of the manga and the anime. And the anime had, like, back before we had all these crazy, like flight and crazy other beam attacks and all this stuff some like really well choreographed fights that were very exciting even though this is like old animation from like the 70s and 80s um now it's that cell shaded cg right yeah it looked better than i thought it would it looks i think it looks and moves really well well that's like the the one new toriyama game that's going to be coming out <clears throat> that we were watching the trailer for no, it's a movie wasn't it sandland <laughs> oh right yeah 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 um I just, like, I don't know. I it looks good. There's something about it that that holds you I, back. I, I don't know. Thought so. I'll, I'll put it this way: like with Trigun, I'm aware of that animation style the whole time. Mm-hmm. And though I do like the new Trigun, it would be better if it didn't have that. This faded into the background for me really quick yeah except in those moments where there's a fight and the camera's like swinging around yeah. and following things and it looks incre- it looks incredible pretty much the things whole time. that they can't really do with with hand drawn they can't animation. do easily they can't yeah. do affordably i guess i'm just gonna have to get over it at some point i i think You'll if you watch it like so from the trailers it was very distracting in the trailers sitting down and watching the movie i forgot about it yeah, likewise. I, uh, there was a couple times where... And I think they mesh it in really well because I'm sure there's some 2D drawn-in things where it's like we don't have... There's no point to make an entire rigged character model for this, for this little cameo or something. I just... I thought it was really good. It was really funny. It rewarded me for having consumed the original Dragon Ball. Um, yeah, so like if you were at all a fan of Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, any of that, I would say go check it out. I believe right now you can only purchase it I bought the Blu-ray from Amazon. I was going to just send it back or try to resell it, but I've enjoyed it <laughs> enough that it deserves to be on my shelf. It's available on YouTube. For per purchase, though. It's not $10. for rental yet. Yeah, I don't know purchase. if and where it'll be rental. People will speculate Crunchyroll because they have the other Dragon stuff. I don't know. The future will tell. But right now, even just for buying it, I would say it's worth it. I felt I think very happy with the, the money I spent on it. $10 on YouTube sounds reasonable. Yeah, I would say, again, if you're yeah. a fan of Dragon Ball, worth your while. Really good time. I wonder how much, like, time slash money they actually save by doing it CG. I mean, admittedly, they said this one was going to be more experimental, and I think it paid off. I just I, I think I want say. it to almost always look like this now because New Dragon Ball. I already know, like, New Dragon Ball animation 2D doesn't look right to me because I grew up with Dragon Ball Z from the 90s, and that's what Dragon Ball looks like to me. Or even going earlier to literal Dragon Ball. So, like, the new stuff never looks right to me. It's like New Simpsons, you know? Yeah. It's probably... It's fine. It's good. It just doesn't... That's not what my brain says those look like. But this CG style captures it well. I preferred the animation in the Broly... The the most recent Broly movie. But Dragon Ball Super, the TV show, looks like shit. <laughs> I mean, there, it, it's really embarrassing how bad it is at some points. Mm-hmm. And so... If I I would take this as a compromise for sure, but I don't think they probably saved any money. I think they probably spent as much because they pushed it. If if they spent you know as much, Brad, this is a hill that you're going to have to get over. <laughs> no, I I understand. There's but no like, fighting it. What I'm saying is, 
if, if, if this one was an experiment and future ones will be cheaper, then it makes sense to me. But if it's always as much as it would be if you did regular animation, I don't understand why you would do it. Because it's the future. It's what's coming. You can do different things. Yeah. Be, and now they're getting they're they're understanding it both in the in Japan and in the West and whatever, that you can put two D and three D together to create incredible things and use the strength of both of them. And I think this is just going to be an old man shouts at cloud until you get used to that the cloud is three D instead of two D. Like you I hate that cloud. You can't stand in the way of this. I'm sure you can find something that you could say that to me and I'd get really upset about, but this is one where it's like, <laughs> especially now we're like, once freaking, I mean, I know they were working on it before then, but it's like once, I guess the twin things, at least in my mind, of um, like Guilty Gear, Guilty Gear XR, and um, and then into Strive, and freaking uh, Spider-Verse, like those are the one-two punch of like, we're in it now. This is the new era of... CG animation see, and you're going to those, have to get used to it. Those make sense to me because they're they're using it to make a specific style that would be difficult to do hand drawn. Well no, that's but Guilty Gear has been always hand drawn until they did it and they pioneered it. I was talking about Spider Man. Dragon Well it's, I mean it's still it's the same sort of ballpark of CG that three D that looks two D ish. Like Guilty Gear is the ultimate thing of like literally the team that made Guilty Gear used the same concept to make Dragon Ball Z fighters. And I think that looks great too. Like, uh, I think well, you. This okay. is another time. If this if anybody's actually now. still listening to this, um, if you have a CG anime you think would change my mind, let me know. I think honestly, give like if you had any interest in in Dragon Ball Super at all, I don't. <laughs> you, so that's that's the first hurdle. If you, I did, watch clips on YouTube. That's that's as much as you're going to get out of me. If yeah. you did, give it a shot because the trailer didn't do it justice. Like, I thought the trailer looked bad, but I thought the movie looked great. Well, when I start seeing clips of it on YouTube, I'll let you know. <laughs> I mean, that's what got me to watch it, so. All right, so. I'm glad now, you skipped all of that, listener. Now we're we're done with the uh, specific series stuff that we're talking about. So <laughs> we got a couple shout-outs. Oh, no. There's more? I told you this intro was going to be long. It's already long. <laughs> I'm going to shut up. So first off, I want to shout-out uh, Whitlash and Moon. So we had our first guests on heroin addiction, the last episode with last and moon. They're from the, uh, r slash Otome Isekai subreddit. Uh, and we had a lot of fun recording with them. Um, we did uh, master villainous, the invincible, and apparently we didn't even have to recommend it to Kermit. No, you already talked about it to me. I haven't listened to that episode. I give it a, I give it a soft recommendation because it was recommended to me and I just haven't gotten around to it. <laughs> Because I don't have a... It's, the opening is coming soon. Yeah, it was really fun talking to people who are passionate about it. and Yeah. I mean, it might, might have been fun for you talking to somebody who actually knows what all the <laughs> references are. No, I had a good time. Uh, it's, you know, there's a couple things where they had different perspective from me. So it was good to have someone who was immersed in it that had a different perspective rather than just, you know... The newcomer. I, I'll say out, outsider, but you're quickly becoming <laughs> an insider. I'm I'm getting in to like I'm getting into the the web novels. Yeah, I've I've gone too deep now. <laughs> uh, next, I want to shout out Rena again. Um, so I think hands down, Rena is our biggest fan. So she commented on two other episodes again. So I want to say thank you because that's what we keep asking people for and she's the only one who does it so. thank you not the only one but yeah basically 
Well, I say that, but there is actually... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, Got him. Got he. So Jack-O-Lantern, he, uh, or they, sorry, Jack-O-Lantern uh, commented on one of our YouTube videos. Uh, in fact, it was the Review Stravaganza episode. Wow. Um, Kicking it old school. Yeah, that was a couple months ago that he posted. They. Why do I, I keep doing that? Um, I think it's probably a guy, but you know how it is. Um yeah, um, they actually recommended a series to us on in that comment. Oh, one that I actually am already reading. Of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I will be talking about that series on our next episode, which is review Stravaganza two. Two Stravaganza. Two Stravaganza. Two Stravaganza. Too fast. Two Stravaganza. Ooh, right. there. That's it. Yep. That's the one. Make write that one down. <laughs> uh, one more shout out. Uh, to Tree uh, from the Shonen Flop they Discord. Outside. They give us oxygen from our carbon. No, that would be trees. Okay. This is a singular tree. Gotcha. Um, and they recommended a uh, non-romance isekai manhwa uh, for me to check out, which I will at some point. Don't know when that's going to happen, but thank you. They said that they were listening to our episodes and had that recommendation. So Rad. thanks for shouting us out there. Okay, so one last thing. Oh my gosh. This this actually might be a little long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is sort of a shout out, but it's also something that we need to just sort of address. So we're gonna br- we're gonna bring it down. Bring it down. We spent a lot of time doing paperwork, and now we're gonna bring the energy down <laughs> before we've gotten to. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, I got a message on our facebook uh matthew messaged me um to let me know that he was upset so if anybody remembers hopefully everybody does and listen to our episodes plural on ranking of kings you'll remember that we had some very strong feelings about it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm laughing with you. We had some pretty strong feelings about the representation that they did with Boji. Boji. Um, more specifically, we went pretty hard on the sound design voice acting of Boji. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's safe to say, and I'm pretty sure we went over this in the episode, although I haven't gone back and listened to it, that throughout our experiences in life, meeting multiple deaf people, we had never heard a deaf person act like that. And we thought it was somewhat insulting. Also, it got on our nerves. I don't want to be too golden boys about that. I do believe we found it very grating and compared it to a baby crying. Well... Unfortunately, we were wrong. Uh, Matthew was upset because he used to work with a deaf man who did sound basically just like that. So I just wanted to take a couple minutes here to air this out. I, I talked to Matthew about it. We went back and forth. We, we came to a cordial resolution, but I wanted to make sure that I brought this up in case anybody else was listening who had some bad feelings about that. 
We did not intend to make fun of anybody. Um, as I said, we have never had that experience. And so it felt to us, you know, watching it, that it wasn't correct. But turns out some some deaf people do sound like that. There you go. So Our world picture has gotten a little bit bigger. So we were talking a while back, I think it was the Origins episode. Yep, that sounds right. About how all of us sort of got into the different anime and stuff that really was sort of formative in our early years. And a lot of the stuff that we talked about had a lot of overlap. There are things like Naruto and Bleach and Full Metal Alchemist and all these anime that like we've all seen, we've all at least heard of you know fairly regularly when yeah. we were younger and it got me thinking because these days as i'm out in these communities uh shown in flop for example um i i'm talking to these people and i'm seeing what they're saying and people bring up all of these different series be it manga or anime and half of them i have no idea what they are and it's a little baffling to me because i consume so much stuff that there's a part of me that goes how do things exist out there that i don't even know of but it got me thinking i think there was a time earlier in our lives where everybody sort of was in the same track the the media that you saw was the same as the media everybody else saw because there were only, you know, 40 channels on TV and, you know, there's barely any internet and to get books, you had to go to a bookstore. And it seems like in the past couple of years, I mean, 10, 15 years, but still there's been this explosion where you no longer have the monolith of entertainment anymore. It's so much more splintered. So some of this uh, topic came from our top of our, our origins because of the way I want to kind of spearhead this is how technology has changed that over time. That in the beginning, much like Brad described, we you know you had the channels that were on TV and they played when they played. And if you weren't there for it, you missed it. You know, you know if you were lucky, you got like a VHS tape. You know, we don't really have DVDs. The internet's in its, like, infancy, so, like, maybe you can torrent something if you're in, like, the 2000s at that point or something. And I feel like that lack of accessibility made it so what was there became more of a thing. When you say, I want this, of this anime thing, you're willing to take on things that are maybe a little bit outside of your normal thing that you would go to find... And, you know, if you're freaking a stereotypical boy growing up, you're like, I want Dragon Ball Z. That's what I like to watch. But, like, Sailor Moon's on before or after it. And you're like, okay, I'll watch that because it's in the same time slot. Mm. But that's that's what that – because it's all that you have, it becomes the, quote, unquote, the canon of what being into anime is. Right. And I feel like with our increase in technology – where there is just such easy access because it's like, I don't know how much anime was coming out in Japan at that time in the 90s. Some of the stuff we were getting was years old. That's just how it worked. Mm -hmm. um, 
that maybe that wasn't the case over there as much. And that just because like these things, like your Sailor Moons, like your Inuashas, like your Dragon Balls, like your... Um, uh, why can't I think of the name ever? It's got the big purple and green robot and Shinji has to get in it. Evangelion? <laughs> like Evangelion, Cowboy Bebop. There were these, the Trigun. Like these were the things that people knew about that they talked about and they were like held up and venerated as the anime canon. And that kind of just, because there's just so much of it and it's just so readily available that that's like quickly disintegrating. And, like, the the waters of the river of anime are moving so fast that it's, like, very rare for things to stick around season past the season they come out. Unless they're, like, really long running. And even then, usually it's only the tent poles. Um, I don't know. I just think it's... I don't want to make this too much, like, old man yells at cloud of, like, it's not like it was when I grew up because it's really easy to fall into that. So I think this is me trying to figure out maybe more specifically a little bit of detective work of what it was and what it is now. I think there's a, there's like a, uh, a bigger picture to this as well. If you think back to like earlier times beyond, you know, anime and manga and stuff where you had, there was like the culture that, basically everybody was in and then you had these tiny little splinters you had your punks right or your greasers or and and <laughs> th- those were those were tiny little groups that were like oh we're outside of this main culture but for the most part most people were in this there wasn't enough culture, culture to 100% cater to those splinters that you could live into right. in them in those right. bubbles and it seems like as society has progressed as technology has progressed it's so much easier to sort of live in that bubble now that you can you can get so granular with it and find a huge community of your very specific thing isekai um it's it's so different from the world our parents grew up in if not our i mean even the ones that we grew up in now where it's just yeah, so we easy were. that there's nothing there's not like a there's not a shared experience of like when you meet another anime fan that they will you'll have an assured something in common well right your your shared experiences now tend to still be cowboy bebop naruto are they Bleach. well i mean if for you're our talking people, about like for kids for people our generation well, if you're I would talking say, about but meeting, moving forward like i mean i can't really speak to kids these days i would say even Um, like people now in their like early to mid 20s if not younger i feel like is already outside of our scope i feel like those series are still so large that even if you'd have heard of them but you might not have seen them yeah i don't know it's just it's always weird to me when it's like oh somebody just hasn't consumed any dragon ball z and it's just like i don't i had no choice in the matter i just did there's a couple weird examples like how many I think everybody of a certain age who's an anime fan watched Gundam Wing. I never did. You have I've never to, seen you, any Gundam. You had to be watching like Toonami after yeah. school. In... Maybe is that the one where they're like chibi? No. Okay. That's that's Gundam SD Super Deformed. Where did I? Is that really what it's called? Is that what it's well, that's, for? That's what. Yeah, chibi is also called Super what? Deformed. You know what? Oh my gosh! I don't remember 
where I watched G Gundam. G Gundam was probably on, it was on Toonami for a while. Was it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because that was one like I don't know that very many people actually know that one. G Gun oh, the the most racist Gundam of them all. Well, <laughs> <laughs> or the least culturally sensitive Gundam. Of okay, them all. yeah, you can say that. That's fine. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was Gundam stereotypes, but yeah, like those are are series that I think in Japan no one remembers. Hmm. Like by and large, they are not the most popular Gundam series. But most people's first exposure in America to Gundam was Gundam Wing. And then after Gundam Wing was successful, and I think Gundam Wing just happened to be like the Gundam that was big around that time. So they're like, yeah, bring Gundam over. And then eventually they brought over the original mobile suit Gundam, which is a huge thing in Japan. And um, there's a few other weird series like that that are like really important in America, but no one in Japan really cares about. Mm. But there's another one I remember... Um, you guys ever read or watch uh, Saint Seiya? Or, um... I'm aware of it. That always felt like something that was like w somehow one generation before mine. Like it's always like it's in a bunch of like the Shonen Jump. Like here, everybody battler games. But yeah. I never know what any of them are and I've never seen the manga and I know nothing about it. I can't remember if, if it was also published as Knights of the Zodiac or if that was something else. That sounds right. Yeah. All um, of those names sound familiar to me, but I cannot place them yeah, at all. Exactly. There's yeah. a file for them in my brain, but there's, the file is empty. It's just a so, named file. The weird thing is, what I've heard, you know, I, I obviously wasn't there, but around the same time I would have been getting into anime, the people in South America got Saint Seiya. Like, somebody did a big latin america i think spanish language interpretation or dub of saint Seiya, and hmm. so that became a huge show in south america and it's like one of the bigger anime down there that people remember like dragon ball maybe i mean dragon ball is pretty popular around the world but like maybe like a gundam wing or something it was just because it was what they had and yeah. it was done well, at least as far as anybody knew at the time. It was on TV. Like, yeah, it was on TV what consistently. I, what I heard was back then, um, their original programming market wasn't very big for children's cartoons. Like, they, they weren't producing a lot of original stuff. And so that had an opportunity to, like, really take hold because they got, like, a really solid cartoon. Um and so people got obsessed with it, but it never got as big over here. And that was a big disconnect between some of my Latin American friends and I. <laughs> so is, is that, so it's a, it's a cultural thing on a time thing. Cause I always just assumed it was just one generation up and that just for some reason, well, which is older. weird. Cause I was like growing up, I was very like keen on picking up what came before me. Cause that seemingly was how you were cool. Why you could hang out with the older kids and just, I've never met anybody or seen anything about, Saint Seiya, so that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, it, well, it's definitely older, but like the thing is, so is Dragon Ball Z. I, I think yeah, Dragon so Ball is Z Dragon was Ball. Dragon Ball. I think was, <laughs> you know, a lot of the ways Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball was like 1989 or something. Yeah. Um. So like Dragon Ball Z was over years before I ever watched it. Exactly. Um, and it was just literally, it got put on TV at a time when we were all watching the same channels, like when I was growing up. Almost everybody 
that was my age turned on Cartoon Network. Yep. For at least some period of time. After school, that was I still have memories of watching through the Boo Saga. When you really like only had three choices for cartoons, really like there was Cartoon Network, mm-hmm. which to you know just tell you how old i am i remember when cartoon network started yep <laughs> um and then you know you had your fox morning cartoons the fox box and there was also or ultimate muscle played was it one um, piece for kids was it abc that had cartoons there was another uh, there were nickelodeon major, had cartoons well, right nickelodeon, yeah, nickelodeon disney had did. their channel disney the disney channel didn't start until i was yeah Disney had a channel by the time Cartoon Network was rocking and bopping. I'm pretty sure about that. Disney had a channel, but it wasn't part of like most cable packages. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't get. I I think we got like 60 channels when I was a kid or something like that. But I want to say the other uh, big network channel that did like Saturday morning cartoons didn't get any anime. That is yeah. weird that anime was a lot of that because like I definitely remember like Pokemon and Digimon being a thing that like we taped while I was at soccer practice for some reason, yeah. um, on a Saturday morning, and then again later with, like the Fox Box of like watching One Piece and Ultimate Muscle and stuff like that. Just I'm just I'm flashing back a little bit. This is partly <laughs> what this episode's supposed to be is the uh, a lens looking back of like how technology has changed things. It's like, can you imagine where it's like. Could you imagine now missing an episode of something? Right. You can't do it. That's not how it works. Like if I, if I can't watch an episode of something, I stop watching that series. Yeah, but like imagine there's just a <laughs> hole in the middle that just is like, oh, I had families coming over. We have a thing. We have to we have tickets to something. You're just gonna yeah. miss this episode in the middle. And just you might never see that because you have no power to come it you have to wait if and when it comes back around and you just had to infer a bunch of stuff. I was watching Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z for years before I even knew what the first episode was. Exactly. Like that you can come in like yeah. there's a certain like I don't I you know even outside of anime I think that just as a concept is like dead because it's like in streaming it's like well you start at the beginning and if it's season two that's on the streaming platform and not season one you've never seen it you just don't touch it. But like you we didn't do that. I want to not just say constantly back in the day. This is me trying to put on my archaeologist historian hat and not my old man shouts at cloud hat because it's not like it's just a good or a bad thing. It's just a thing that is was. But just like that, you just had to on the fly go, who are these people? I mean, see big thing. I mean, I did it then because I only learned about him recently in context of like Tien and Dragon Ball Z. I don't know what his deal is. I don't know what freaking Chiaotsu's deal is. I don't know. Who They're just there. They have a backstory, but I've never learned it. Like, I don't think I ever explicitly saw, like, the first episode of Dragon Ball Z and knew that's what I was seeing. I just sort of, you just kind of learn to osmosis things and try to get a sense of, like, what was going on and who is who to the best of your ability. I I can't say this for certain, but I have this recollection that the first episode of Dragon Ball Z I ever saw was when Goku was in Hiffle. (laughs) <laughs> which is like that's an opener my dude imagine yeah. like watching that i mean and i was a, a child yeah it was a cartoon it was like put it in my brain exactly same but like no idea what's happening here well and at the time it was strange for cartoons to be organized in a sequential way yeah that was like just a thing like the west just didn't well really do a lot that of them were we just really played them in syndication yeah. a lot of them were really episodic so it didn't matter so much 
if you think about like the older Cartoon Network original shows, well, yeah, that's oh yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. yeah, that's a lot of. But that's, like, they anime built it wasn't. I think that's what right. made anime so weird and special to us is that things changed over time. If you saw an episode later, you'd go. Like, who's that? What's going on? And I feel like you don't have that. You didn't have that with, like, I'm watching Johnny Bravo or, like, Powerpuff Girls or Doug or something. Or even, like, Spider-Man or X-Men. I mean, they had Mm. multi-part episodes, and they did progress things. But for the most part, they did write it very specifically so that you could start at any point. Yeah. That you could just watch an episode. Like, I'd be so curious to try to watch something like that now. I re- and I think even more so, like, I don't think you can. Or, I mean, well, I guess you can. We did it back in the day, but it's just, I'd be curious to be what that would feel like because, like, I haven't done that in a really long time and I still feel like I have some of that old muscle of, like, <laughs> okay, what's going on? Who's this? Who's that? Ask my questions. Try to, like, feel things out. I feel like the, um, those old those older shows the the non-anime like they very explicitly like when it was a two-parter mm-hmm. it was a huge deal yeah it was like oh and i have to make sure i watch next week to catch the second part but otherwise it didn't matter at all and it almost feels like when the american network executives brought the anime over they just didn't they couldn't wrap their minds around the fact that things happened in order. I mean, and so you had that, thing that thing. was cartoon. Like, it, freaking still, like, American or Western production orders are out of order. Things don't always even come out in the order that they were supposed to. Yeah. Still, now. But, that but, happened to, like, Owl House or something. You remember, like, the when original Dragon Ball was airing, they would air, like, like a couple episodes and then the new one. Yeah, they and were they all out of sync. And They're, they weren't always yeah. the episodes that came right before it. Or you'd get stuck in a loop, like the be- beginning of Dragon Ball up to like maybe Muscle Tower. And like, I never, I saw a bunch of Dragon Ball, but I somehow never got beyond that. I never mm. met Tien. I never got to the second tournament of power. I was always excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, the Bacterian fight's happening again. And I never knew there was another tournament. And just the weird way that you like what information you did take in. Or, like, you played a video game and it had characters that you had, like, never met in. I can't imagine something like that happening today. It doesn't. It hasn't happened for a decade. Those executives would get ripped apart. (laughs) Well, they used to dub Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z four episodes at a time. Like, they'd, they'd dub it. They'd put out the VHS. And then they'd keep going. And then eventually, when the whole thing had been dubbed... Or sometimes not even. Sometimes they would just air what they had. But then sometimes they'd wait until the whole season. But that was the thing. It was like a Wild West where they could just go, you just, you air however many episodes you have. And then maybe you have the new one or maybe you just go around the horn and you do it again. Because that was just what television was. Well, the only reason I I think anime even came over in the first place was sort of the same reason that like they were doing Saint Seiya in Latin America was... Here's I got I got 200 episodes ready to go. Here is here's oh. a lot of content and it's cheap and all you yep. got to do is talk over it and then it's done. Nobody's got to be paid to animate it. That's already been paid. You just pay your little fee to get it there. Yep. Because nobody knows anything because it's the 80s or the 70s and the internet's not a thing. Yeah, and they're like if it if it occupies a time slot and it did not get the good time slots for a very long time. <laughs> but you can you can see how this builds uh, we have not actually used the word yet, but the, and I'm going to put this in the biggest auditory finger quotes, whatever, honking air quotes, monoculture, at least as the term that I know it, of the monoculture. These are the things that we generally all know because we generally don't have the ability to find other things. So when you find those little small things, 
they're hard to find. They're not the main thing. We're not all kind of warped into the same thing. We're kind of all off on our splinters, you know. Which is, I think, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be forward thinking and say that is good. That you have more of a choice over what you want to take in. Oh yeah. Are there times that that's a bummer because you can't find, you won't find things that you wouldn't normally go out of your way to find? Yeah. I mean, these are the, the every any system change is going to have its pros and cons. I think it's generally better that people get to choose a little bit more what they're looking for and that dictates what gets made. I think monoculture has a negative connotation. It sounds limiting. But yeah, I think it is. But I think I think that's why it's it's a it's not an entirely to, glowing look backwards. To it's maybe not necessarily bad, it, though. But it is limiting. To rephrase it though, I think it would be like there we're losing a common ground. Like you used to if you met somebody and you're like, I like anime, you like anime, you would have something to talk about. Yeah. Because you were you were likely to have at least one show in common. That's I mean this is the I mean this feels like a pop culture talks on episode because we're getting outside it, of anime. It applies to a lot of things. I mean yeah, but like that's the that's the the drawback of the quote unquote death of the quote unquote monoculture is that that common ground is disintegrating more and more because everybody's off in their little their splinters. I'm gonna have to disagree because I think that it's a good thing that you have less common ground. From my perspective, as someone who likes to collect information, Mm -hmm. if I meet someone else and I'm like, oh, I like anime, you like anime, and then they talk about the anime that that they like that I've never heard of before, they give me all this new information. That seems so much more like a good conversation to me than just going back and forth about, oh, we both like Dragon Ball. That's cool. But I think it's the it's the common ground. It's forming that common ground that you know what the other one's about. And if it's just a dead thing, it's like there's so much anime that exists that people can know about anime that you've never heard of that you wouldn't like because what you're looking at and what you want out of it is different. I've learned this via watching anime with you guys and watching anime for a time with my little derby group where it's just like my tastes and their tastes do not mesh. Like that, like it's that it's that feeling of like if I come across anime fans where I don't have things in common with them, like that I that learning that I didn't innately have something in common with them because we both liked anime because we can be you can it's so big now that I mean even back then but we didn't know it as much like you can be here for different reasons anime fans are kind of a dime a dozen on the internet you can find them there's a lot of them a lot of them are trash I'm going to come out and say that right now at least to my you know now more elder statesman viewpoint. Uh, and by and large, I don't want to talk to them. That's why I have a podcast that I get to hear my own voice and I, talk to you guys. I have had the experience, uh, maybe you guys have too, of working in a place where I was not only the only white person. I was the only native English speaker in the entire office. And it's really cool. I love learning about other cultures. I love learning languages. Some of those people are like my best friends to this day, but you do have this weird moment. And this is where it's, it's more of like a general culture thing of like, when you do meet another native English speaker in the office, you're like, Oh my God, you know what a McRib is. <laughs> and we, no, I mean, I, I'm laughing, like, but you're right. Yeah, you're right. You bond over that experience. <laughs> it's just, there's just little things you don't realize you miss until they're gone. <laughs> and, you know, that's interesting. Because well, so first of all, I have never had that experience. Um, I've worked with plenty of English as a second language mm-hmm. people, um, 
I feel like I'm always able to find some common ground. It's not yeah, that there's I mean, no common ground, but there's certain things that you're like, you're used to being common ground that you're in a situation where it becomes not common ground. I think that's the thing with the anime fan growing up is like it's a rare thing that might happen. And like I was lucky that like I had friends that we were all watching Pokemon and Digimon together week by week that I could like talk to them about it. But like you're not necessarily guaranteed here's something with the the, the monoculture kind of dying out with the internet well i mean that's more the internet coming up with this whole technology side is like there is an abundance of people to talk about any of these things you can go online you can google it you will almost assuredly find a reddit or some sort of a twitter area or a discord or a phone ports like there will be a space if you want to talk about a thing that you like there is a, a clearly easily found space for it which was not a thing before you know, there's no individual tent for any particular show that's big enough, so you just have the big anime convention tent or something mm. like that. This is something, the world of this is small enough, and there's a few enough number of us that that forms our collective identity because there's not a lot of us and there's not a lot of it. And then as both of those things got bigger, it didn't become as unifying, which is like any big group of people. It gets big enough, it doesn't become it's easier to as bubble. holding up together. It's easier to like bubble off. It's easier to go yeah, into splinter. like... I like using splinter over bubble because bubble usually has negative connotations that like you're actively not listening to the rest of things. Well, I think... But maybe that is. Maybe there is. Yeah, See, I'm trying I, to be too nice. I want to... I, I do want to use the, the analogy of bubbles because I feel like a very soapy individual... Okay. <laughs> Is this a note to Well, it's where I, no, I'm I'm able to assimilate into very many different bubbles, you know? Yeah. Well, I okay, so like I wouldn't argue for going back. No. Like I I definitely enjoy having access to the stuff I really really like. Back in the day of having to watch whatever is on television or having to pay 50 bucks for two episodes yeah. that may or may be done really poorly yeah like we had common ground not because we wanted it but because we had to no i think that's the key is <laughs> like for me if i want to talk about something very specific i can go on the internet i can find that very specific subreddit or discord or whatever it is and i can talk about that thing that's very specific but also just in my day-to-day -day life, meeting new people, you know, being at work, going out somewhere, meeting friends of friends, whatever it is, I can also talk to those people. The The choice, I mean, in this, this, you know, choice and variety is a thing that is very important to me just in general. So I think that that is the key for me. So when we talk about not having a monoculture anymore, especially in terms of anime and manga, it almost feels to me like that's the best possible way to have it because you can have your very specific thing, but you still have the baseline of anime or manga. And like I said, when I meet that person who hates isekai, we can sit down <laughs> and we can have a conversation and I can collect all of their information and I can maybe put some of my information out and go, you know, I understand why you don't like isekai, but here's some isekai you might actually like. Well, I think there's there's a there's a trade-off. And like I said, I wouldn't want to go back. I'm I'm firmly in the camp of it's better now. But you do lose something when we don't all have the same like reference points. I I yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And 
I think we've talked about this a little bit in other episodes, but I think that having the common ground of like anime in Japan, I'm not sure how much they view anime as different from just any cartoon or like I showed you guys the other day, like the, the word on the Shonen Jump website is, is komiksu. It, it, they they don't call it manga there. I mean, it it's just yeah, going it's, to become. It's, it's it's it is here what it is there where it's it's not a common ground anymore. It just yeah. is a thing that is. Yeah, they're all just comics. It is an abundance. It is a, it is no longer just. It, yeah, it's no longer a common ground. It makes which me is wonder because, like, if you think about, like, okay, so we have adult cartoons, right? You've got your Simpsons, you've got your Family Guy, you've got. All of those ridiculous things on Adult Swim. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then we also have cartoons for children. Mm. You might talk about Adventure Time or Owl House or the... Tales. Yeah. Like, Maybe, uh... And if you talk to any one person and you're like, hey, do you like cartoons? And they're like, oh, yeah, I really... I watch The Simpsons and South Park or whatever. Like, is that person... Do they have an overlap? Will they go... Oh, I also like Gravity Falls. They can, but by and large, if somebody comes up to me and describes that they watch Family Guy, the freaking Eminem We Are Not Alike starts playing in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Unless they can cite other things. It's like, oh, I love animation. I watch Family Guy and South Park and it's it's like, we're not the same. Like and so, stay, stay away from me. Can you take that same Not to say that they can't, or that we don't have other shared ground, but that is another thing that makes me feel a kinship with somebody. Right. Can you take that same sort of line of thinking? over to Japan and go, okay, this person watches Evangelion, right? Do they watch... I'm struggling to think of one that's more geared towards children. Doraemon. Dora yeah, Doraemon. Sure. Dora yeah. So, like, do those things overlap for them? Or, By and large. in Japan, I would guess not, is the probably. split more like, hey, there's live-action stuff which adults watch, and then there's cartoons that children watch. I think it's more like, do you watch... Uh, a really depressing, edgy teenager <laughs> mecha thing that's super weird. Like, I don't think most people in Japan have watched Evangelion. I don't think most people in Japan would like Evangelion because most people wouldn't like Evangelion. I don't like I Most people in the States, yeah. I don't. Well, I mean, it's it's a weird, weird show. Yeah. And it has, like, all these cultish tones and there's a lot of, like, yeah. deep Bible Kabbalah crap going on and... um. I'm just going to interject. If you have not listened to the Tenacious D Evangelion <laughs> crossover, look it up. Tonight. We were already thinking about it. Look earlier. it up on YouTube immediately. It's it great. is one of the best things ever created. But I, I think for a while there, anime existed as, as something that it never was in Japan, in America. Yeah. I am going to be able to do something with that with our third segment. I have something that is very pertinent to that that I'm oh, going to save for later for the third segment. <laughs> foreshadowing. Is it foreshadowing if you say it out loud? Yes. Okay. I foreshadowed it right now. I was I was un I was shadowy about it forward for foreshouting. Foreshadowing. Um <laughs> I do want to rewind a little bit because something hit me that I had forgotten about um that you guys brought up of just like Ben saying like I don't want it to go back to what it was. And that it's like true shared nostalgia is born via struggle. 
Okay. Because unlike the things that we watched, our venues, the venues of which we got these things, should and will and should not come back. We have the shared nostalgia struggle of it was on TV. Like we have a soft spot for it because that's how we grew up. That we think we want it back at moments, but we obviously, as we've stated, we like don't. Where it's like that was how we took an anime. That it's like you had to be around every week. If you miss an episode, good luck until it maybe comes back around. And it's via that struggle. It's that thing of when we think about early internet, we think about the, you know, with the modem <laughs> booting up when you're getting onto AOL. That shouldn't be back because we've technology has gone by that. But it is a shared nostalgia that you had to be there. And I think that's why it feels so, to, to Ben's point, I think, is like newer generations will not and should not have that sort of like they shouldn't have that in their bones because we've moved past that that's not a thing anymore they'll they'll have it in different ways but like yeah they'll have their own thing but yeah. it won't be it won't literally be the ones that we feel in our bones because we grew up with that 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 you know the whole like tsunami being this place that you went and like that dubs were like garbage and ruined things with what they were talking about or like all this edit like that's just not present anymore and the medium is better for it but that's just that is a thing that has gone by that we can have maybe a soft spot isn't the right word for it, but we have like a, a felt memory, shared memory of that like another generation won't and shouldn't. So there was a lot of like gross stuff about that time. Obviously. <laughs> like, I mean, not a very friendly space for women. No, not a very friendly space for minorities no. or, or anyone who was LGBTQ. No. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say not great. No. And, now that it's expanded, now that there is a wider variety of material available. Good. Yeah, and that's good. Yeah. And the thing is, when you bring more people in, this is this is the debate like every nerd community has at some point of like it's not as it's not special. It's not this special little secret we have anymore yeah. that that makes us like everybody knows what anime is now, for example. It's and, diluted. Everybody yeah. is nerd, so being a nerd is dumb now because yeah. it's diluted. It's nothing. So this thing that and it's practically water. We've talked about this a couple of times because because Brad, like you weren't there, like for the anime as identity <laughs> portion of yeah. of Ben. No, yeah. and honestly, while while you're sitting there talking about that, I'm like. Nerds are the worst. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> there were cool things about it. Like there were cool like spaces you could hang out in that that will never come back. But if you went back in time, you'd realize that it was all gross and terrible. It was it, it was literally gate capped. Yeah. So Me, that it meanwhile, could be like that. I'm just yesterday. I'm going around <laughs> telling people like how everything is an isekai because I want to claim everything for myself. <laughs> and I, I don't want that to happen. I, want, I, want, I even want, though I helped with it at moments. I want to inject that into every space so that I have a seat at every table. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't sit at every table, Brad. Maybe you're not welcome at every table. Well, that's the novelty part. Maybe, it should, that, maybe some tables should be special. Maybe I shouldn't be allowed at every table. That's, that, that's the part of my brain that's just like, I need novelty. Give it to me. I need novelty. Let me consume the most repetitive, similar to itself <laughs> genre that exists. No, currently. but that's what I'm saying. It's in everything. I need tiny novelty. I need novelty yes. that doesn't challenge me. Well, yeah. There are I want people, familiar novelty. There are people I never would have talked to if we hadn't had this one weird shared like secret interest in it. There are people I mean, you guys, who literally, I, I, we yeah, would never well, have talked if you hadn't seen my no, posters no, in my cube. We were friends we were, before that. No, I never talked to you guys, really. 
When when we were friends, we weren't on the same project. I didn't interact no, with you guys on a daily no, basis. No, we talked until the weeb cabal started forming. We were <laughs> that not was the friends. first time we hung out outside of work. For yes. sure. yeah, that was it, meaningful. It, it connected us more, but it was it didn't it wasn't the thing that introduced us. Despite having yeah yeah you were you were coworkers and even even that again barely because. Again, we didn't work on the same project. You were on the other end of the office. All right, like, Ben. We, didn't we were friends before. <laughs> yeah, you guys, were friends. you guys worked on. Stuff we're we're together. friends. I mean, like it's fine, but you know, like we probably wouldn't have hung out outside of work. Yeah. Like right. I, I mean, since that, we've gone to like dinner. We've gone to movies. Like, I guess. I guess props to anime because it like having a moment of genuineness. You guys are like my first and probably like only, despite having many jobs, my first and only work friends. People that I actively chose to spend time with outside of work and then even all as all of us left to do different jobs. Like, I have Facebook I don't have anybody friends. from jobs from before there. I probably for my current job, there's nobody that I'm like, I want to stay in contact with this person. Like I have I, I have friends on Facebook who I've stayed in contact with on Facebook. Yeah. That I would consider not, friends, but we but don't like meet this. up. And I have this is friend I have one friend from a previous job who like I've been friends with for 12 years or whatever. And yeah, but I, I do think there was, and this is, this is pluses and it has a lot of minuses. I own the minuses. Don't get me wrong. But like, especially when I was in high school, you could assume some things about a person's like personality by the fact that they liked anime. Yeah. That's no, that's actually something um, I like that it's not a thing anymore. Yeah, it, yeah. And it is better this way. Correct. For sure. There are certain things, now it has to be more specific, of like, oh, they're into these shows, and you can start kind of getting, again, yeah. not always true, but you can get a sense of people, not just from anime, but what they're watching. But it, it, I would I would say, you know, anybody who still has that idea in, the, in their head of like, oh, this is what an anime nerd is, they should listen to Kawhi Disappointment, because those three <laughs> are so wholesome it's they're they're great and it's like yes this is like the antithesis of what an anime nerd used to be i'm i'm giving like a charitable definition of like i could assume certain things about like they're not gonna think i'm weird now i as a straight white guy god like they would if i were a woman they would have related to me very Oof. differently in a way mm. that I would not have liked. Yeah. Well, it's not. So I would have assumed some <laughs> negative things. I was pulling our collars. I was going to say uh, earlier that like, you know, I'm sure there's people who we've all met and maybe even been friends, quote unquote, yeah. friends with that we shouldn't have been True. because we had that shared connection. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I, I have been there. I have one billion yeah. percent been there. I've escaped that life. Well, I have left that life behind. And that's why I talk about how like I... I low-key broke up with the anime community <laughs> like before we started doing this podcast. And it just keeps that sucking me back in. It, gave, it was a thing that made sense to me because it gave you it gave you assured common ground where it's like, I don't know what to talk to you about, so I will talk to you about the show we're both watching. And now you're getting sucked into the Monwell <laughs> Well, and I was going to kind of say something about that, too, is like, do you think there are certain things you could assume about somebody who reads a bunch of Otome Isekai 
Because I think some of the reason people are interested in heroin addiction is because we probably don't fit. Yeah. I don't think any of us are any kind of a standard. (laughs) If I'm going to be, if I can, if I can do that, if I can say we are special without being up on my own behind, I think we are outliers. I I think that's why what we think about things is different and weird and interesting. I feel like of the three of us, Ben has the most of that. And it probably comes from that you were in it before. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But what's interesting is, like, first of all, you reject that. Yeah. And then you've also got so much more on top of that that is so far removed from it. All of your Bookman stuff. And, when I started. You know, yeah. How deep you get into language when, and all that. When I decided facets. I wanted to make content. <laughs> I, when I got infected. I thought about what I wanted to do. There were a few things I knew a lot about and like Japanese and anime was one of them. And I very specifically threw that out right <laughs> off the bat. Good thinking. I was like, I don't want to be known for that because of the experience I had with that. Like when, when I was growing up, if you were a lonely dude and I was never terrible, I was never like way bad off. Cause I had, I always had interests outside of it. Mother's basement level. Um, I, yeah, not you, the mean, YouTube you mean the channel. guy or the, the trope, the trope. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I was never that bad, but it would, it, it was like so easy to fall into that. Yeah. And there's a lot of traps like that for young guys. They're different these days, but they're still <laughs> out there. Can you say Andrew Tate? Yeah. And I, I, I got away from that and I, I like got away from it hard. Partly because, like, I I was close to falling into it at a couple of points. And I that's why I say I don't want to go back. I'm glad it welcomes different kinds of people now. I'm glad different kinds of titles get brought over. And it's something I've always pushed back on with this podcast is that there were a lot of people who want to gatekeep it and take it back to, to what it was when it was like they only brought over the sci-fi anime. They only brought over the horror and the porn and all the, like, stuff that was for maladjusted sci-fi loving white dudes it we didn't get a lot of otome isekai we didn't get any queer manga we didn't get any um we got a little bit of shoujo that shoujo be tried it and then like very quickly went out of business this is maybe (laughs) a little bit of an aside but has has gatekeeping ever been good for anything besides keeping a city safe I was going to say, <laughs> keeping out literally both the barbarians. <laughs> Open the gates a little. Well, yeah, I, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's actually been good. It can have, you know, you can have... I, okay, we'll say, I think this, I don't know if we're getting into another episode now, because we've been <laughs> talking about this for a while. Uh, as someone who attempted to control a gate for a community, depends... I think gatekeeping based on if you're not trying to maintain a literal community of humans who see each other in person, I think gatekeeping is bad. And okay. also I don't think yeah. gatekeeping would is the word I should be using to describe the situation I'm attempting to There there's something describe. about like trying to preserve a, a cultural thing cuz it's like in 20 years or or 50 years I don't really think there are going to be anime podcasts. I think anime is going to be so integrated into the culture that it's just another format. I don't think you'll be able to tell if it came from Japan, Korea, China, or America. 
comment on this episode if you're listening 20 <laughs> years in the future. Yeah. 50, I thought. I thought he said 50. Yeah, maybe it would take longer than I'll 20. I don't know. <laughs> but like right now, I feel like anime and manga What does is, that mean? What? Are, are Ben and I going to be dead? I don't. I just, I, I can't speak for you guys. In I'm 50, for me. in 50 years, there's a good chance I'll be dead. In 50 years, I'm not going to be dead. <laughs> I, I was thought we were talking about twenty years. Okay, I'm saying that 50. was a little. In twenty, I'll, are you I'll unsure about dead. twenty years, Brad? I'm I'm pretty sure I'll make it twenty. I more would years. hope so. I don't I think, think I'll make it twenty years. Fifties, I could conceivable. I'm gonna make it for fifty. <laughs> <laughs> but, a shot. But what I was gonna say is, I think right now, anime and manga is basically an artificial distinction. Like I think these are just comics and cartoons, and they. The, the line between... I think we are getting closer to it. Yeah, the line between the manga section and the graphic novel section just being the same section is totally arbitrary. In the Barnes & Noble down in Lancaster, it is. It's literally they're in the same spot. Oh, but are they intermixed? Do they mix them? They're, like, they're not intermixed, but I don't they're, want, they're okay. in the exact same okay. area. Right, we need to be done with this segment soon, but I do want to say I don't want them to be intermixed because my OCD is going to have a freaking <laughs> connection when all these tiny, mostly same size books get messed with the varying sizes of graphic novel comics. Yeah. I'm going to have a fit. <laughs> well, but then there will be good and bad things about that too because like... Oh, right, yep, you're right. Right now we have an anime community where we hang out and we talk and we have fun. Yeah. And that might go away. And that, like, how hard do you fight to preserve a culture that's dying? I mean, I only want to preserve my relationship with you two in that regard, if I'm being entirely honest. I think it's healthy to to let things evolve, you know, especially pop culture stuff. I guess that would is mean... Your, is this your way of trying to say you're going to leave the podcast? Please don't Well, yeah. no, I think that what in that means... Years, if oh, in 50 if, years, if we're still yeah, no, doing no, 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 it. No, 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 we're not, not going to be doing this in 20 years. No, I, I, th- I think all that means is that instead of the anime podcast, it's it's all just pop it culture It just comes back to pop culture, culture pop talk culture, zone, baby! Are you a fan of Japanese snacks and treats? Yes. Then you'll love Sagoi Mart. They offer a wide variety of popular Japanese snacks, candy, drinks, and more. All delivered right to your door. It's not really a snack, but they also sell instant ramen. Um, I haven't had any, but I heard it's pretty good. I did recently. I got the one from the box that we got, and it was probably the most delicious cup ramen I've ever had. What flavor was it? Pokemon flavored. Pokemon flavored. Well, now you, as a listener of our podcast, can click the link in the description or use code APR15 at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. Just head to SegoiMart.com and shop their selection of delicious Japanese snacks today. So, a new chapter of a isekai that I read came out today. Shocking. Right. As they do. But this is one that hadn't had a release in, you know, a month or two. And I was like, oh, good. This Coming is, back to it. You know. Um, and so, I went and I started reading it. And I went, something's off here. Some, something's not right. 
because I'm reading it and I'm like, this is hard to understand. Like, this isn't <laughs> a good translation. And so I get to the end and I'm like, I'm pretty sure the person who does this translation is one of the people I'm on, on a Discord for, his, his group, because he's really good. I, I really like his stuff. And so I joined his Discord to like help him out and, you know, get him more visibility and thing. And so I looked and the chapter that we released today was not by him. Someone else had decided, hey, this hasn't released in a while. And I want to shout out Black Wolf Translations because he hasn't released stuff in a while because he's got a lot of stuff going on in his life. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, shout out to him. He's a great scan later. I want to give him props. But this other person came in and I actually recognized the group. The king did this. <laughs> Saw the gang tag and I said, not sure about this one. What struck me was that I feel like that this latest chapter was worse quality than they normally have. Mm -hmm. And this also happened just the other day because we were talking about this. This is a different one? This is a different what? one. Oh my Again? god. People people sniping those I, new chapters. I feel like when we talked about this before, you guys didn't really understand how much of an issue this is. And so I wanted to talk about that today because the, the act of one group taking over a series from another group in and of itself is not a big deal. The thing that I have a huge problem with, especially the other one that we were talking about the other day is where someone comes in and does like a machine translation of it mm -hmm. and just doesn't care at all. And it's barely legible. Mm -hmm. and I I'm on the cusp of I'd rather it not be released at all <gasps> yes yes Brad that's where I always there. am <laughs> if someone wants to take over a series and they're gonna and they come in and they do a good job you know no issues with that yeah there is an issue with sniping like we were talking about the other day mm -hmm. where multiple groups or multiple people individuals sometimes will put their translation out as quickly as possible so that they can be the ones that get the clicks, right? right? When another group is the one who normally does it, or, you know, maybe these two groups always go back and forth and they like fight over it, right? Um, and a lot of times when that happens, both of the translations are good, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like, one of them is so superior that you're like, oh, obviously I'm just whatever comes watch first. Right. And you just kind of adjust to which one. But it's when these these people come in and they're like, here, I just threw this together in five minutes. I'm going to upload this because someone else didn't upload it. And I'm just so what I don't understand and I've never understood about the scanlation community, the etiquette surrounding it, all the weirdness. I don't know what they get out of it. Well, that's a good question. Are they getting paid? So I think some of the larger groups make some kind of money. They they have Patreons yeah. and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, Patreon makes sense. But if you're just some random Yahoo that's like, I put this through machine translation, here you well, go. I it's think not like they're not, you got to like ad clicks. You got to start somewhere, right? By doing the bare minimum that uses none of your actual brain I mean, or abilities. So like, I don't think it would be a good idea to put out something bad to get into it. 
but I'm also not a random. Well, there's not. I feel like what you're describing, like there's a bad first attempt and there's literally just I regurgitated trash onto a page. Like I did the minimum effort. Not that I tried and did poorly, that I I spent as little ability and time and thought on this as possible. I, I think I there's spat out. I barfed out. The lowest effort thing I could do. I think there's two ways that that happens. The, the first one, which I don't particularly mind, although I, it's still sort of like, you know, why do this? Is when someone is like, I want to read this series. No one has translated it yet. So I'm going to go and I'm going to machine translate it. And since I've done that, I might as well put it up for other people. Okay, when you say it like that, that makes a little bit more sense of like, hey... Nobody has this. I wanted it. So I did the one thing that I had within my reasonable tool reach to make. And right. maybe other people are in my situation. However, when it's when it's a, an established person, mm -hmm. either a group or an individual that comes out and they're like, nobody put this out for a while. Here's a new chapter. And it's literally just like a crap machine translation that I don't understand at all. So is that this is what I don't understand. Is this all considered sniping? Is this all the same thing? No, sniping would be the one that I described where like they try to get it out. You try first. to get in first. Yeah, somebody, somebody there's the already a group or a particular person right. putting chapters out, translating chapters consistently, and some rando just shows up and just Is there any shits incentive out one. for that? Like because correct me if I'm wrong, but like you're not gonna get a chunk of the click revenue from the ads on no. the platform. No, and um I mean a platform like Mangadex where you might be able to find these mm -hmm. if that was something you wanted to do. I don't know about all that. Um, they don't make any money. So they're completely run off of donations. Um, do they not have ads? No. I mean, oh, probably okay. the Mango Dex is probably the one getting the money or whatever. They, did, the at, it. they did at one point run some ads to cover like server costs and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. that it was That's never permanent. Well, right. It was never permanent. And that's the key is that they don't want to make money off of it because you don't want to pay taxes on your illegal business. Well, yeah. to yeah. an extent. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, it's I don't think the word a gray area prestige that feels too nice. Support the official release. <laughs> but there's, I think there's a certain amount of, I guess maybe in a lot of these cases perceived, like we're bringing you a service and we want some of that, like, I would love to know what happened to the two. I think they were Chinese students. They were Chinese or Korean that did the original Duang English translation of Jojo Part 4 before there was any Jojo Part 4 That's translation the ocean in English. Dub, right? What? The ocean dub? Or... What? Isn't You're, that what it's the called? The ocean dub is a Dragon Ball. Z oh, thing. okay. Yeah. I'm talking about there was before Jojo got huge in America, there was no official. Or like good fan translation. Mm. It was like students. I, again, I don't remember if they were Korean or Chinese, but they were somebody who both Japanese and English was not their native language for like a school project translated JoJo Part Four, and it's a mess. I but guess there that wasn't anything so else. Why did anybody? And I don't know if they're known. I don't know what their life is now that they like because now like <laughs> it's. I mean, I mean, I think it helps is that JoJo is both really popular and really weird. So like that translation, especially now that they are good ones, is like celebrated as this like weirdness. But why did anybody do bootleg translations back then? Because people wanted to read these things. Okay, is it just but like why did those now. people? take the time to do that and because it was it a school they wanted this and it was not a necessarily project. them obviously okay school this is admidly is like, a specific situation right. where the story is that it was a school project 
So you kind of give them more benefit of the doubt that they were students trying to make something that right. from when there was nothing. But I could see more basic twisted versions of that where it's just I'm just some random on the internet and I want my name out there and this is me well, doing the bare minimum. Yeah, and I was going to say, exactly. back in the day there was a website called Toriyama's World that I used to go to. And I, I think some of their translations live on to this day. Um, their thing was when a series would get picked up, they'd stop doing it. Um, and this was back when most of the series in Shonen Jump were very unlikely to ever... By the way, all of the big scanlation groups do that. Yeah. So that was their thing was like this was a hobby and yeah. there were a lot of people who shared the interest so you get one guy who would buy it one guy who would translate it one guy who would letter set you know and from that they'd get people who would come in support talk about it build a community around it but it was for fun i don't understand why you would do it if you don't care about doing it well, well. and that's my yeah, thing I because think that's i think we're coming from a lot of people do it for exactly those reasons. They yeah. want the community. They do it for fun. They want the translation. So that's why they do it. But sniping the, doesn't seem like it would achieve any of those goals. No, and you're sniping exactly poorly. right. <laughs> and that's what doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, Or the people who describe where it's like, both again, both languages involved. They're not really good at either of them. So right. it's just like, why are you bought? Like, what is... Clearly, it's not good to read for you because English isn't your language. So why well, are you here? The The one that we were talking about the other day... That wasn't this one that happened today. Mm -hmm. That one was significantly worse. The one today was legible. It was just not very good. Mm -hmm. The The one from the other day was almost incomprehensible. The typesetting was adequate. <laughs> but well, yeah, that's the, but the actual translation was almost incomprehensible. And on the comments for that particular uh, chapter everybody everybody was ripping them up <laughs> and i went and the next day i think it was the very next day i see another alert for that series and i click on it and the previous very bad translation was gone <laughs> they got ripped so hard that they took it down yeah that's i feel like that's public opinion well because proper work the thing i've always noticed with these is if you're somebody who really just wants to read the next one, okay. I I kind of don't even, I guess if you got into it and then it just stopped suddenly, I can understand why you want to keep going. But I don't know people who don't have any, I don't really understand if you don't have any interest in learning the language, mm -hmm. why you would keep seeking out, books written in that language when there's a I million mean, written in english do we want to get into culture fetishization well yeah there's <laughs> that. Uh, i guess that that's my thing like i don't get that like like i said if it's a series that you started and then all of a sudden it stopped you're invested in this particular story but not so much so that you want to learn an entire language just yeah. to know what happened. I get that. I and mean, that would take a long time. But yeah, the thing that's always frustrated me with some of these translations is like as somebody who's, you know, trying and very, very slowly making progress on learning some Japanese, it's not hard to learn enough to be able to look things up. I, if you want to take the time to look them up, I feel like it's not that hard to do a machine translation 
and then edit it so that it makes sense. It's a, yeah, it's at yeah, least massage readable. it into place. Yeah, I guess you could say like I don't want to take any responsibility. I mean, if you cared about presenting the work correctly, you could say I don't want to rewrite it because then I'm just writing fanfic. Well, but then extent. you wouldn't put out that machine translation yeah. because that's. Almost incomprehensible out? most of the yeah, time. Yeah, if you're going to use it for reason, why put it out at all? What, <laughs> do, you, what do you think? Yeah. I feel <laughs> there, like that's what we keep coming back around to. There is actually one more kind of person who does this. Okay. <laughs> that it, it's it's a bit more niche than these other ones. Okay. And I, it sort of makes sense to me. And that's when... But it's it's also still a little bit weird because all of these big groups have their discords, they have email, some a lot of them have their own website where they put chapters up for a day or two before they put them out on the mm-hmm. aggregators or whatever. So some people will take a series that hasn't had a translation in a while and they will translate a chapter most of the time poorly and put it up there and like on the credits page or whatever, they'll put hey whatever group that was doing this before, like you they should put out hostage. your, ch- no, it's not even holding it hostage. They're basically bumping it. Uh, it they're like, Hey, see how many views you could have gotten. Well, and, please right. come back. Yeah. This is my one way of turning on the bat signal because I know you were here. What really baffles me about these people. Cause I, so I understand where they're coming from, but as I said, these big groups have so many places where you can talk to them. So why wouldn't you just go there and be like, hey, what's the status of this uh, series? Brad, I don't think a lot of these people are the most like <laughs> socially conscious yeah. or like capable or, you know, that I would trust in these situations. Yeah, I was going to say it's got to be a quirk of my brain because this has always been. I've gone down the rabbit hole of a couple languages and it's always been something like I. I wanted to read something I didn't have access to. So I learned enough to kind of look it up dictionary my way through it one word at a time. And I understand that's harder to do. Yeah. That sounds terrible. Well, it's especially (laughs) hard to do with languages that are not written in the Roman alphabet, Hmm. but it, you know, there's, it's not that hard, especially anymore where you can, you know, all, all the, there's, there's like 70,000 kanji characters in Unicode. Now you can cut and paste them. You can copy them into searches. Like you can look it up if you want to take the time to look it up. And I, I don't understand how you can want to read something so badly that you're going to go through all this s- meta work of typesetting it and posting it on a thing and like making an account on these things to post and, and not just take the time to look up a couple of words. I wonder if a lot of these people don't see the other people who do the machine translations and get eviscerated and then the chapter gets pulled. So they have no context (laughs) to go, Oh, if I do this, people are going to rip me a new one. Like, and they think, oh, I'm doing such a big service for everybody by putting this out. I think it, I mean, maybe if they're just little kids. Who, yeah, I, that's why I'm like, this yeah. gives me big, like, teenagers with nothing 
They Maybe. just don't Young know where to start. Who There's also yeah. who don't know anything, so they're just kind of like, I guess I'll whatever. This is I what they like. They just don't. They're just not socially community conscious because they're freaking little kids. They don't know any better. I, I also think you know, as far as adults go, I don't know if you've ever seen maybe like a tweet or something on Facebook or Reddit or whatever, where a person obviously doesn't know how to put their thoughts into words mm-hmm. properly. Yeah. Like I'm sure they can speak properly, but when they type something out, it's incoherent. And I wonder if some of these people are those people <laughs> who have an inability to proofread something. And so when they get the machine translation, however it goes into their brain, they're like, yep, that makes sense. Even though the rest of us who like use words normally are like, what the hell does this <laughs> what say? What planet are you from? I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> I, it, it bothers me, I guess, because people take the time to write it in... I don't know. Maybe it's just I don't have the appetite for content that that some of these people do. Like, you know, it's very interesting for you to say that, considering how much you read. <laughs> well, yeah, but there's always things to read in the language. I'm willing to take, like, I'm willing to take two months to read a Japanese children's book. Like, that's pretty weird. But I mean, because <laughs> I wanted to learn the language, that's part of it. But like, if if I'm going to bother reading it, like if I was going to actually sit down and take on the task of trying to read it in in not English, I I would just sit down and do it. I, you're also <laughs> someone who like values like real things, intellectual things. Like, well, I was going to say, if I didn't value it enough to do that, I'm just going to give up on it. But I can see someone going, oh, I'm going to machine translate this children's book. And here I'm going to put it out. for." Well, I obviously people. wouldn't have read the children's book if I was going to machine translate it. Like I didn't desperately want to know what the children's book said. Hypothetically yeah, speaking. I didn't want to know. Yeah. I didn't need to know what Spot was up to. Mr. Skeleton. Mr. Skeleton was the children's book Mr. I translated. Skeleton. Yeah. Hey, yeah. let us know in the comments if you'd like us to you uh, see my translation of Mr. Really Skeleton. I hear Ben in a segment talk about his translation of Mr. Skeleton. Guy Kotsu-san. Spooky, scary skeletons. <laughs> Spooky, scary Kotsusan. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, moral of the story. Stop putting out machine translated chapters. Moral of the chapters. story, Brad's getting real tired of reading manga on the internet. He's really sick of them. The, the thing that bothers me the most is when it's a series that I'm invested in, and then I get, like, a page or two in before I realize just how bad the whole thing is, and then I'm like... You know what it works though, because if you showed me that, I'd do it for them because I would just be so angry. You get, you get it, you get the thing of like, well, this was so garbage, I could do better, and that yeah, motivates you because I've been there. That's gotten me like, to do things in the past. That makes me wonder though. I like, could limp along if I if I went and actually like if I went and got on the Discord for one of those groups and was like, hey, what happened in this series? You haven't put it out in three months. Would they go, oh, hey, we forgot about that. We actually, oh, it's mostly done. We'll get that out. And yeah, was, like, what would happen then? Ha- did anybody try that? <laughs> Nobody left a comment to that effect. So I, I don't know. I, I got to imagine these are pretty obscure series. 
everything I read is obscure. <laughs> what are you this talking about? This man has figured out how to get underneath the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the underground somebody, mole people. Somebody zone. put it's a, a very barrel, specific group of people. Somebody put a barrel on top of the well. I am digging at the bottom of the well. Yeah, because some of these feel like I. I think if it was just something, even a few dozen people were. This interested is it. Freaking in. like the new One Piece chapter <laughs> yeah. is out. I need to know things. Like I need it pumped into okay. me as soon as no. possible. Listen. Oh, this is. It's unacceptable, okay? <laughs> one Punch Man, right? Yeah. One Punch Man, yes. okay? On the One Punch Man subreddit. If you really like One Punch Man, they, someone will post the raws, okay? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They lock the subreddit when the raws get posted. Within three hours, it's translated and uploaded. Well... Yeah, they yeah. do a good. Yeah. So whoever's doing yeah. it does a good job. I because I I also then read the chapter when it comes out on Viz later. Yeah, and they're almost always very close, almost identical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was. Gonna, that's the thing. If there's a big series, like a lot of people read, a lot of people speak both Japanese and English, and most of them read manga. My point is, <laughs> it's possible to do it well. Yeah, you just got to be yeah. popular. You just got to not be mole people. Again, Again, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather them just okay. keep it to themselves. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's we've, we've, we're talking in a circle, guys. <laughs> I feel like this is this now we're getting common ground because we didn't used to feel this way. <laughs> You've put up with translations I would never put up. That's with. true. That is true. <laughs> my my bar is obviously lower, but I do still have one. <laughs> It's not at the bottom of the Mariana He'll go over I, it. I don't, he'll complain, but I he'll don't, go over that bar. I don't need James Cameron yet. Yet. It's coming. <laughs> so, Kermit, did we get anything in the mailbag today? We did. We got another letter from Truck Sam. Good. I was worried because um, he was having some trouble last time. Yeah, he had a rough time last time. Yeah. Some isekai punk stole his wife and like messed up his hometown, and now he's he swore revenge. I I wonder, you know, since he's in that other world now, obviously he was in the business for a long time, but I wonder if anything that we've talked about on this podcast, because he listens to all our episodes, if if we've been helpful to him in any way with well, him being out there. Let's uh Let's read the letter and find out. I gotta, I gotta get my activation phrase again now that we've talked a little bit. I'm walking here, Gabagool. Dear that time I got reincarnated in the same world as an anime podcaster host, Brad Ben and Kermit. My friends, thank good Kami above. I did it! I sent that sniveling wimp who had the balls to call himself a hero back to Earth, and I did it my way, just like that bastard Sinatra used to say. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you all about it. So I know I learned enough magic to send you guys a letter, but I stopped after that. I'm fighting back against these worlds. You think I'm going to learn their dumb magic systems? So I'm putting in this time, trading my body, scheming up how to get this boy gallivanting around the countryside, causing problems like it's its own personal toy box. One thing I did learn is how to be a blacksmith, just like my great OG sod back in the old country did. I forged the remains of my truck bumper. R.I.P. by the way. Uh, and now there's written instructions to cross yourself. Okay. Oh, like the sign of the cross? Yes. He's like very specific. <laughs> okay. I just assumed you would just I just wanted to point that out there. He was very clear in, 
in, in his letter about that. I guess he's Catholic. That Kami-sama takes all forms. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to restart that, that sentence. I forged the remains of my truck bumper into a mean pair of brass knuckles that would make even a mafioso bouncer blush. I'm going to knock that numpty back in the last week. Literally. But to do that, I need to get close to him. I saw how that spadunk took my wife and his little gang of girls, so I got this bright idea. Just like Bugs Bunny used to do in Looney Tunes. A real man's cartoon. Truckson here is gonna dress up as a beautiful woman and sneak his way into the inner circle of this little jerk. And let me tell you guys, I made a beautiful broad. Absolutely stunning. My makeup, my dress, the little vavoom. You should have seen me strap my stuff. I learned all about those harem things from your heroin addiction podcast. And while I don't God. touch the stuff, stuff myself after what happened to my cousin Vinny, it was very elucidating and infiltrating that space. I think he thinks you're t actually talking about the drug heroin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there's been a little bit of a misunderstanding on Truck Sands on that one. Well, he's in a very different sort of harem than we were talking about. It is addicting. It is a different heroin. Um, shoot, where did I leave off? Uh, yeah, because video lucid uh, and would you believe it? It worked! <laughs> got him, hook, line, and sinker. He couldn't keep his eyes off me. And just as he goes in to grope the melons, I got stashed under my dress, the little pervert. I pull out the nux and give him a left hook! He went sailing through the air, and just as he was about to land, he blinked out of existence and went back to the street. He died on the first time like nothing had happened. I had done it! He'd felt the power of my Risakai fist, and now this world was free of his rule. Of course, there's a lot to clean up still, but I got my wife back, and we're headed back to the village to rebuild. I'm not sure what's next for old Truxan, but I think he's earned some R&R. &R. Yours truly, Truxan. Well, that's great. Yeah. Good for him. I'm really happy for Truxan that he he figured out a plan in a very Truxan manner. I guess but we, he, we now know... He did it his way. ...where the power of Isekai is stored. In his fist. In the, in the bumper. Oh. In the bumper. <laughs> I was going to say he mastered... I mean, it's in his fist now. He mastered the Risekai no Ken. I thought it was Densetsu. <laughs> <laughs> the otherworldly fist? Oh my gosh, uh. Truxan, please, in the future, if you're going to do this more, please call out the otherworldly fist. Because that's really cool. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> See, so, yeah, well, I like he's, he's learning. He's yeah. he's getting back. I, I I genuinely don't know what's next for Truck Sam. But... I'm not sure what he learned from heroin addiction, but I'm glad we helped. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I feel like he got the gist. He got enough. I know he misunderstood and he thought it was the drug, but he, I guess the he last learned enough one, of the tropes to to get in there. The last one we talked about was very violent. I guess the real question here, though, is: Did the resicide uh, protagonist? die that's a good question because if he was isekai'd the first time by being hit by the truck that would imply that he was transported it wasn't a soul like what happens is if you die and then you're isekai'd your soul gets transferred you get a new body and everything but if you are hit isekai'd or portal isekai'd you take your body with you so okay. you're not dead. So I'm going to have to invoke a JoJo neither of you have seen. So imagine it like um, in JoJo Part 5, the main enemy, Diavolvo, basically has like his stand power allows him to edit life and time as if it was film. So basically what happened is that the truck is coming at the kid 
and essentially like time has been erased where the truck hit them so they're just back as if the truck never happened or it like had passed through them mm-hmm. and they didn't it's like it's like edited together back that oh that timeline for them ended but now they've been edited back into it after the truck has passed although you still know still alive at that moment in time whenever that was can i imagine that then another car hit them i was gonna say that would be amazing <laughs> is you get resakied and you're like oh, i'm alive you die but you only get one isekaiing so he's just dead well it wouldn't be a, a truck son the, the second time no it would so just he be a regular car you just so get nailed it would just be a sedan son so truck son can you please report back about that next time what, what would happen if he got it, hit by a car then i'm i wonder if he can actually tell what happened to them because he's in the other world he doesn't have access to any of the information. What if Truxan knows? Yeah. I think Truxan knows. He can read the blood on his knuckles. He can read their fate like tea leaves. Like a good marinara. He like knows. A good marinara. Truck, here, look. Truxan knows his truck. That's true. These knuckles are forged of this truck, just like his OG son back in the day. These knuckles are made for punching. Yes. And that's just what they'll do. He sent him. Hey, that truck, Truxan sent him to this world the first time, and he sent him back. <laughs> I brought you into this world, and I can bring you out of it. Literally. That would have been a really good one-liner to have used there. Hey, maybe he can adopt that as his catchphrase the next time he goes to punch an asshole. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and others, do you know what time it is? Ladies and gentlemen, 8.37. That's not what I meant. Don't give away our secrets. They don't know when we recorded. We didn't say if it was AM or PM. They don't know that we're in the mountain time zone. I thought we were in Japan. What? Is that the canon? When did that happen? (laughs) Okay, we're in Japan, where it's tomorrow. Did you go on a filler adventure last time? (laughs) Uh, secretly, this is Eat your hamburgers, Apollo. Anyway, Kermit, what time is it? It's actually, it's not Manga Book Club. It's just a, a book. It's Book Book Club. What? This isn't words about books. <laughs> it's true, but it's close enough to what we talk about that this felt like reading a manga, so we were talking about it. So um, many times before, I believe we've talked about a series called Legends of Localization, mm. um, which is a series, I'm going to butcher his name, uh, by translator Clyde, I think it's Mandolin, at least that's how I pronounce Mandolin. it. It's Mandolin. Mandolin? Cool. Like the cooking instrument or the instrument? I don't know how either of them is spelled. <laughs> I think but it's I spelled know like the instrument. About. I'm pretty sure they're spelled the same M-A-N-D-E-L-I-N. way. M-A-N-D-E-L-I-N. <laughs> so he's done three of these so far. And what they are, are they are about video games being translated from, or Japanese video games being translated into English. The first one is about the original Legend of Zelda uh, on the on the Famicom or the NES. The second one is about Earthbound, which I adore, and that one's a lot bigger because there's a lot more going on in Earthbound um, to discuss. And the new one that just came out, which I was literally dying to talk about on the podcast, is actually... Uh, switches it up a little bit. This is about Undertale, which was a game originally written in English, and about its translation into Japanese. Which Clyde was a somewhat um, I don't know the right word to say. He was not on the project, but every so often they would reach out to him to help out. Consulting. A consultant. That's the right word for it. Um, So we're going to be specifically talking about this one. 
the Undertale one. I also love Undertale. It's not really come up on the podcast because it hasn't had to reason to. Um, but it's like literally one of my favorite things ever. Like reading this made me like go into my like third or fourth Undertale Deltarune Renaissance where I'm just like, <laughs> I need to take in all the information that happened since the last time I looked at this. Um, but if you don't know, Undertale is an... Uh, I guess I would call it an RPG where yeah. you don't necessarily need to kill the monsters. You can befriend them all. And a lot of it's um, it's very parts of it are very inspired by like Earthbound and old, again, Japanese uh, RPGs back on like the Super Nintendo and whatnot. What's uh, T- Toby? Toby Fox? Fox is the creator. Yeah. The very, the very, um, the enigmatic Toby Fox. Um and there's like a lot of dialogues and like jokes and references and um, puns and like literally every corner. But a lot of the times, a lot of words, there's a lot of like lore baked into Undertale a lot of the time. So things can be very like things sometimes have to be very specific to either communicate something or maybe cannot communicate other information. I bet uh, I bet everybody's heard Megalovania. I think everybody's heard Lego of Annie if they don't know Undertale. Yeah. So, I mean, side note to all this, go play Undertale. Like, it's probably $10 <laughs> on Steam. It's worth your time. I still think it's one of the greatest video games ever made, but I'm going to stop gushing too much. So what makes this really interesting is that in the case of other games, and a lot of games when it comes to Japanese to English translations, and probably the other way around, you don't have the creator giving you information about what something is supposed to mean. You know, they sure Nintendo of America had some contacts with Japan when they were translating Earthbound, but they don't literally have an entire like Excel sheet on everything having notes from the creator and constant back and forth oh, communication. That's a really good point because those older, the I mean, even anime, like a lot of that stuff came over and it was well out of the hands of the original creators at that point. Exactly. And that's what makes this so fascinating to see this move in the other direction. And to see things of, like, we talk a lot about how it's, like, certain things of, like, Japan has a billion words for certain things that are, like, different levels of politeness while saying it. Or things like that where, like, we don't have that. Like, there are certain things or, like, all of the different, like, pronouns people use get lost coming into English. But it's either things where coming from English where it's, like, especially because, like, Undertale is a text-based game where it's, like, the way that we write words. I never thought about, like... Japanese doesn't have capitalization in its lettering system. Like, that's a thing that we have. So it's, like, certain characters that talk in really specific, like, they talk in all caps or, like, every word of it, like, every, the starting letter of every word is capitalized in the way, because Undertale does a lot of that, of, like, the way that the text is written helps show the voice of the character. Oh, yeah. So, when like, when you see that that textile coming somewhere else, you know, you know, when you're seeing this really particular... I think it's in all caps or something like capitalization, you know, Papyrus is talking, but you can't do that in Japanese. So they, they like reformatted the engine. So he speaks in like right to left, like written from top to bottom, like Japanese poetry speak to capture his quote unquote <laughs> voice because they couldn't just change it over to like, you just capitalize yeah. Japanese. Like, like that's not a thing. And that's, I've seen in manga. Sometimes they'll use like different fonts to yeah. denote like, this one person is talking or they're talking in a particular way or something like that. And, and, and to fonts, like, again, Undertale. Fonts are really important. Papyrus speaks in Papyrus script. That's what his name is after. Freaking mm. Sans, Comic Sans. Like, a lot of characters, fonts are important. Fonts that don't exist in Japanese because they're not right in English. And it's just, it was, I mean, I was already really excited for this, but it was really refreshing to see 
the problems that we always see of translating from Japanese to English go the opposite direction and all the weirdnesses that can come with that, where it's like, now you guys have to capture a pun that was native to English in Japanese. And how do you do that? And the idea of like, not every moment is going to be able to retain every single joke or reference or bit of wordplay, but as long as you keep true to the spirit of it, maybe certain spots will have more jokes that weren't there. And like a character name or like a little interaction where it's like, it'll reference something that just fits this character better than it did in English. And it felt like this was a such, especially after reading the Earthbound one, this exchange where it's just you really get this feeling of like, not every line is going to perfectly capture the spirit in each one as it changes languages. Your hope is that collectively throughout the entire thing, that it captures the tone and the idea so that somebody playing in English and somebody playing with Japanese, even if their literal experience is a little different, because there's like, they have some references to that in here, um, some specific cases, they've generally gotten the same feeling playing it. Um, something in that that stood out for me a lot and that goes into that whole like sometimes Japanese and certain vectors is going to have to capture more information that English doesn't because we don't have that is personal pronouns and Ben I'm going to need you for this one a little bit Um, (laughs) I'm going to get to the page so I can say it right but there was a big um, before this official translation came out for Undertale there was fans translations because there will always be fan translations and uh, originally the character Sans who's like a goofy guy who turns Sir at the end, always use the personal pronoun Ore. Mm-hmm. Ben, can you tell me about Ore before, while well, I look for the <clears> other <throat> one and you can give people context. So Ore is a masculine first-person pronoun. It's used by men. Um, it's a little more intimidating. Um, you wouldn't say Ore to like your boss. You would use it mostly in peer conversations. And it's usually men switch from like boku to ore in late teens, early adulthood. Oh, do you mean ore? Ore. ore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there, there's a ton of first person pronouns. In, yeah, in I learned that. I was I Watashi like went googling because I didn't know yeah. these all these like yeah. Like the, the book actually covers a lot of these and goes here's a bunch of characters that you would know that use this particular pronoun um yeah it's also interesting to read about pronoun choice where it's not gender-based which was like an interesting just cultural thing to me where it's like this isn't about like boy or girl or whatever perceived gender it was like there was other things with it so the big um uh change i'll actually just read directly from the book uh after consulting with toby the translator the translator settled on oira i don't know actually know how to pronounce that it's o-i-r-a oira oira for sans pronoun. In everyday Japanese, oira gives off a rural, unsophisticated bumpkin vibe, but in entertainment, it's also used by aloof, happy-go-lucky characters. Um, and this clashed with the original fan translation that was ore, and it's like, sans isn't as bumpkin, but like, reading that, knowing his character now, I think it makes a lot of sense. Is... Because he's got a very, like, he talks like, like he's always giggling, like he's laughing, and he's got a very, he's got a, like, charming, bumpkin-y vibe to him. And then when you do the path where he gets really serious, he starts using ore, which is a thing that we can't capture in English that becomes stronger in Japanese, which yeah, I thought it, was really fascinating. It becomes more intimidating. It becomes more serious. Exactly. Yeah. Are those two words related? That I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. it might just be like it was ore and just because it was the freaking, what is it always? Is it Kansai that they always Kansai use? is the yeah, dialect. I, they didn't say Kansai in here, but it's like that's the general idea with that. Because generally when we 
talk about like the different dialects in America, especially like a deep South dialect or something, they're still going to spell things the same way. They just say them very I mean, maybe if that goes hard enough, it becomes its own word, maybe. even if it's mostly the same. I don't know. Like a y'all. Well, yeah, I, exactly. I think this is like what I've read. There's a little bit of politics with dialect. Like um, the Tokyo dialect is the dialect, but like we didn't vote on that. Mm. That's just where the capital was, and that's where the decision got made. <laughs> um, so there's there's um, like horror stories of kids getting beaten in Okinawa because they didn't speak with the Tokyo dialect. Mm. Um, like we we don't. And I don't think they do anymore. Punish people for saying y'all, but not physically anyway. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this was, they wanted, you talk like me. I talk right, <laughs> but we didn't vote on that. They don't have anybody who's left-handed either, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, not unless they want to be wrong. <laughs> so two, there's, there's two other major things I want to get into. There's like so many things in the book. Like again, I would hundred percent. It's a very nicely made book as well. All the legends of localization book, really just general shout out to fan gamer in general. All their stuff that I've ever bought from them has always been of incredible quality and make. And have always been purchases that I'm like really excited to have. If so. you're interested in language stuff, or if you're interested in any of those particular games. So should Fangamer definitely... has a lot of stuff. Fangamer is not literally just a Legend of Localization, localization book, though they are the main sellers but of them. specifically for Legends of Localization. But Zelda, they have a lot of good merch in general and everything right. I bought from them is really good. Legend of Zelda, Earthbound, Earthbound and Undertale. Undertale. So, and there is also another one that is a small one that I've also placed here to read to talk more about at the end that's called This Be Book Bad Translations, comma, Video Games... A guide to the funniest and strangest translation mistakes throughout video game history, which we'll end with. I will borrow that. <laughs> you can borrow it. That's why I pulled it out. I just wanted to add real quick before you go into your final two things is um, I was doing those blog posts on books you might want to read to learn about Japan like as a culture. Yeah. And the third post I actually held off on because you said you wanted to talk about this. I was going to do the Legends of Localizations that you lent me. Yeah. Um, and I have not played Zelda or earthbound i I played like you'll notice the first thing i said was if you're interested in languages (laughs) but even even if you only are kind of familiar with them i think if you care about this stuff yeah um it's really interesting well and as someone who doesn't read books this stuff is interesting (laughs) i devoured this book like i just so like i was like i literally slowed down at the end because i was sad i was going to be out of it well in these these i don't know about the one you're talking about right now i haven't seen it but the other ones like a lot of pictures, a lot of icons. Oh yeah, very, yeah, I mean, very like readable, very clear. If like you, you don't have to know Earthbound and remember all the things. They very specifically in this Undertale one to go like, hey, if you don't know about translation or Undertale, they'll like, I don't know how good it will be for you, but they he makes a point to try to lay out everything he's talking about. There's a glorious opening segment about what localization is, not just translation, but localization. And it went over a bunch of things that we talk about a lot, a, a lot about, especially you, Ben. I mean, I think I would love to reread those first two because I think I read those before we were really like we got deep into this and had the podcast. Yeah, he, <laughs> it's just by the way, <laughs> listeners, they're trying to get me to read it by talking about the pictures because I can't read anything without pictures. Well, <laughs> he talks. I mean, he, he talks about uh, what I would say is you can read as much or as little of these as you want. Mm. Yeah, because um, they're laid out in a way that. It's very like bite sized. Yeah. Like here's a particular scenario. Here's some lines, or here's a character, or here's a thing. Like it's a lot of little like 
anecdotal things, but it's like, I mean, at least the Undertale book after the opening where it's like, here's what Undertale is, here's what the concept of localization and all the different ways that a straight translation doesn't work or just different things. It was really good. I'd love to, I could do an entire episode just literally reading through those, but you should, you know, buy the book and do that. Um, but it mostly just walks through the game chronologically about like, we're still, like each chapter is the different parts of Undertale. Um, I know Earthbound is sort of that, and there's like some appendixes for like, here's all the enemies, here's all the items and stuff. Um, but one of the things I want to talk about with this that I found fascinating that I actually foreshadowed in part one of this episode is like, Ben, you described, what was it? Gundam Wing was big in America, but mm -hmm. it wasn't in Japan. Yeah. It's the idea that because of what Undertale is pulling from, which is a lot of JRPGs that were translated, maybe not the best into <laughs> English, there are lines in here in Undertale that reference those moments and there are moments that stand out to American gamers because the translation was weird, so the lines stood out. Um, not a little uh, reference for the Undertale one, but uh, the one that always comes to mind is uh, from an old Final Fantasy of You Spoony Bard. I don't, if, I don't know. I'm one. getting blank stares. I, that one I knew a long. I've never played the Final Fantasy, but I always oh. knew that one, and it was such a, it was such a weird. Like it's a lot of these are like, the translation is weird, and that's why it stood out to America. All your base are belong to us. Is that one's a little bit more out of the bounds? I am error. It's ones where, like, the word choice was, like, not completely off the thing, but it was just like, that seems weird that oh, you would okay. say it like that. Where, A, if Toby didn't have his notes, the translator would never notice that this mostly mundane-sounding thing was a reference to something. And in most cases, they're like, oh, we'll just go find out what the Japanese line for it is. But in a lot of those cases, the Japanese line, even if you do the same thing as what the game was in Japanese, is mundane and people wouldn't get it. Mm -hmm. So is it proper to localize it as take the, like this is referencing a thing that went from Japanese to English and because of that it was strange because it was in an era before, I mean, those translators didn't have, you know, notes for most of what they were doing. They literally had a bunch of lines separated from each other. There was no context, you know? Hey, go back and listen to our episode on localization. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that localization versus straight translation and I think this is the conclusion we came to in that episode is that it's a case by case kind of thing. You need to decide. And sometimes with, within a series from one page to another or whatever, you need to decide like, is this something that needs localized or just straight translated? I feel like in something like undertale, because those references are important and integral to it, you sort of need to localize it. Well, and we were talking, we, we don't talk a lot about video games on the podcast, but like when you're localizing manga, you have the option of throwing in an asterisk and a translation note. You yeah. can't really do that in a video game. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes it interesting here, especially because it's like, it's not, they're not translating it in the order that the story is happening. They're just going, here's the big Excel doc translate these lines and sometimes hmm. you miss it or like i said the one that was big here it's like without toby's notes there's a lot of these little moments that don't sound like anything unless you know that bit for the people that know it and then that was another thing of just talking about the translator it's like to be a good local localizer translator you just need to know about things to know when they are a reference when it is a cultural reference or something specific so i found it really fascinating where some of these cases it's like, I mean, there's a lot of that in the book. It's like, what do you do? Do you just trans, do you just use, not let you literally translate it. Do you just use the Japanese version of the line as it shows up in that game at that moment? Or you do something else? What's the, what's the more important thing here? Because it's not like, I don't know if like Japan has a bunch of like 
a bunch of English games came over and were translated strangely and have like <laughs> endearing lines that people remember. Um, well, so give me a give me like a slight spoiler. What do they choose to do? Do they write something wholly original or? In a lot of the cases, they just do the whatever the Japanese was originally in the game and roll with it. And they, they make a point to say, you know, the reference won't stand out as much, but like that's, there's a couple of spots where it's like, this is what Toby wants. Okay. Um, yeah, it also good. helps that Toby Fox is somebody who is, was, is still learning Japanese. I mean, he's now been to Japan multiple times. He's freaking incredible. He's freaking making music <laughs> for Pokemon and a bunch of Japanese artists want to work with him constantly. Oh, I things. didn't know he it's was wild. Huh? Dude, it's wild. And like he never I've I've now seen him from old footage before Undertale came out and he became a thing. But it's like he will not show up on camera. He will not speak. Like they had a big um they had a big anniversary for Undertale um when they put out Deltarune episode two um with the fan gamer people where they're playing through it and he is I don't know where he actually is. But he, somebody, I, I don't know if it's him or somebody else, is like puppeting the little like annoying dog that is his stand-in, and he is writing text-to-speech so that is speaking to all of them and on the stream <laughs> in the moment. Oh, and so like uh, Hawks. <laughs> well, he's not physically there. Like, that's the thing. It's just like he's this just kind of strange enigma, and that adds to the joy and the mystery of Undertale. So my my final thing, which is maybe just really interesting to me because of my, my Renaissance deep dive, is... We're gonna have to get in the weeds on this one a little bit, but this is a this is a thing that I find interesting between English alphabet being letters and sounds and Japanese alphabet being phonemes, which is like word sound parts. Does that make sense? I don't know how to describe phonemes really yeah. to people who don't know what phonemes are. Like g is the sound a letter makes. Ga is a phoneme. We don't. So there's our letters are not phonemes usually. There's only one consonant in Japanese. Everything else is a consonant plus sound. Sometimes they're fully voiced. Sometimes they're half voiced. Like wa, not just wu. Yeah. Wa. There's no g. There's ga. Exactly. That's actually very gai. fitting to the exact yeah. example I'm going to talk about. What's so, the one consonant? Mm. <laughs> mm. Hmm. Um. So I'm trying to figure out how to describe this as cleanly and quickly as possible. So there's like a super secret character that has so much freaking fan lore about and like you have to dig into code files and it really show up uh, in Undertale of a character called Gaster, Dr. Gaster. Um, there's like a bunch of little side things. Millions and millions of YouTube videos have been made speculating about what the deal is with this guy. Like he's like hidden in the code files hmm. and there's like weird stuff that references him. That's like it will only show up like there's a thing called fun rating, which you get randomly determined when you start the game. And if they're really specific values out of 100, things will show up that relate to him, but also sometimes not. So in English, there's a spot where you can just go to a little spot and very rarely in a, a playthrough, you'll get a call. I'm going to let me get the exact. I want to see if I can find the exact verbiage of it. But you will basically get a call of like, hello, I'd like to talk to G. You get a G and then it cuts off. And then it's like, oh, we got the wrong number. And then what they call the wrong number song plays. And like the text is like, oh, we got the number. The number was wrong. And it's this funny little moment. And everybody thinks that's somebody calling, trying to call Gaster. Because it's like, oh, I want to speak to G And it stops. So in Japanese, when they started the translation, they don't have letters. And the translator assumes, this is Gaster. I'll use Ga. I'll use the character mm. for Ga. And Toby comes in and goes, no, don't do that. And because... In this moment, it's supposed to be a kind of a weird, ominous, mysterious message. To fix this problem, they leave it in English. Because it's oh. supposed to be this weird, mysterious thing, and they can't. Mm. If they had to do it in Japanese, it would give away 
more, more of the word than, yeah. than he wants. And that was that thing where it's like sometimes not even just in word meaning because there's like a bunch of spots where it's like like determination is an important word in Undertale and they had to pick the right Japanese word to capture what Toby means because it comes up a lot mm -hmm. in a really particular way. And that was something here where it's like to translate it into Japanese more information will come out about something that's supposed to be mysterious and unclear. And to get around that, they just said, well, then you're not translating. It's in English. It's supposed to be weird and you're, you don't need this, but it's supposed to be strange and spooky. And I just, that continues to sit with me that it's just like, you know, and the whole pronouns thing and other things like that, where it's like, you can gain more information. More information needs to be created that didn't exist before for this translation. Hmm. To fill in the 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 language levers and pulleys and systems that were in place in Japanese that aren't in English, and you know we've seen in in vice versa cases where it's like, you know, Japanese to English, we lose some of the things they have. So you kind of need to sometimes use the things that English has that Japanese doesn't to capture feelings and ideas for things that just a direct translation wouldn't, or new information that wouldn't have been present in Japanese by the way we speak and process language and stuff like that. So do they run into problems with like the original uses more pronouns and like the translation would just use names, but they're supposed to like English can have a lot of ambiguous pronouns. Yeah. Um, but Japanese pronouns are kind of overly familiar. There's a couple, there's a couple where it's like a character wasn't gendered that either like, like they make a point, like they have to make a specific point to not gender, even if it's not important that they're not gendered, mm. but they're still going to have to like, there's a couple of those where it's like, they have to use a pronoun. They're just a little side character. I think in particular, I'm thinking of a character called monster kid, which like they very specifically never gender in English, but they have to use a pronoun because they're referring to themselves or something. And it's like a lot of it, like a lot of this is not just like, is them asking like, hey, we kind of, they ran into this problem and they had, this is how they tried to navigate it. It's not just oh, like, like, we knew exactly what we're doing and we did this. It's like, and it's a, that an approach and like, it's a series, especially reading this one, because you have the notes from Toby back and forth, it feels like a series of battles of like, this one we really knocked out of the park, but this one, this was the best that we could do with it. Or it's like, this one references this Jap, it's an English idiom, so when we translate it, we tried to find a similar Japanese idiom. Or sometimes it's like, there's nothing that matches over here, we're just going to do our best with it. Or it's like, sometimes you just have to accept, we can't capture a joke here, it just mm -hmm. doesn't translate. You know, we'll try to do more somewhere else. And it just... I really want to go back and read those first two again. <laughs> but this one was just, it was really neat seeing it turned around where it was things, instead of coming into my language, leaving my language into something else and seeing it struggle moving in that direction to capture references and, you know, wordplay and jokes and whatnot. Or just the way that like how like other connotations around things where it's just like, oh, we all have this collective cultural experience that makes this little segment make instant sense to us that it's like, well, Japan doesn't have that. How do you get that across to them in this situation? You know, I think it makes you, at least for me, like this is kind of why even in a world of like perfect machine translation, I would still want to learn languages is because every translation is an interpretation. Yeah. Yes. And it makes you really understand, like it gives you a way to understand that without having to like learn a whole other language and just start experiencing it. Like he, 
he makes a good case for it, at least in the other books. I, I haven't read this one. Yeah, this one, like the opening, and I don't know if it's just these, it was as good as this and the other ones are just from talking to you so much, Ben. <laughs> I was just like really in tune with like all the localization stuff and just was just like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I need to talk to them about this right now. It's so good. The Zelda one is neat because, but it's short and there's not a lot to work with in, in the original Zelda. There's not a ton of dialogue. And they don't even get into kanji or anything because the original Zelda only used katakana. Um, they didn't have enough bits. <laughs> they talk about it in here. It's like yeah. older video games. It's like, we don't even have all the language systems. Yeah. This is what we're using. So uh, Earthbound was the one where they get into a lot of dialogue finally. And then it gets interesting. I mean, the Zelda one is interesting. But if um, you, you could probably start with you could probably start with this one. I mean, well, they're all they all stand on their own, right? Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, well, that's I, I what mean, I was saying. You, like, like if if one of these games in particular is yeah. a game you really like, then you know, read that one. Yeah, but yeah, just I don't know. Undertale, I think, is a really specific, special thing. I guess it, it in some ways it's the reverse of Earthbound because Earthbound does have a lot of American Western references inside of it in the original Japanese, where this is so clearly inspired by both Earthbound and a lot of. Japanese things I mean it's one of those it's like how do you translate this one it's like it's kind of novel here it's like there's a character called the Sundere plane (laughs) or there's like there's like a joke early on when you talk to a cactus and it's like the cactus is truly the Sundere of the plant world and it's like do you just directly translate that it's technically it's a Japanese word it would would it have the same connotation but would it be as funny because to them it's just a word and not like how oh, this funny thing that captures this concept it to lets us. you know exactly where they but it gives you that, that concept yeah. it gives you the concept of like hey there's weave influence here yeah. <laughs> where you just otherwise it'd just be like we're speaking Japanese we're people who live in Japan and speak Japanese like it's that it's lost you should, in a uh, way even though it's in Japanese already it signals a subculture in yeah. America but I mean it's the whole yeah. thing of like well they should they should leave it how do you how do you uh, work with a character that speaks it's like a character in a Japanese anime speaking English in a way that they wouldn't fully understand it it's yeah. like when you translate it what do they speak then? You know, I, I, it, I, I what does Pepe Le Pew speak in France? Well, it's like how the fancy the the Blue Ranger character in that one show we were watching speaks English all the time because he's a fancy lad. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but you can't. How do you capture domination. that in yeah. if when it's the English dub? What does he speak? I, I think in that case for Sundari, they should leave it as Sundari, but spell it in English. To show, like... Oh, an English character? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, like, that's the thing, is, like, they've got more paints in that particular bucket that they have across all the different writing systems, so... But no, uh, one billion, zillion, million percent, uh, please check out, like, all the alleged localization stuff, but just, especially if you like Undertale, this one in particular, just, like, I could read its entire content again. I'm really sad that if I ever get it, it's going to be years. If he ever does one on Deltarune, like... I just love reading about it. Um, the author has talked in the past. He's one of the main guys behind the old Mother 3 fan translation. And he's talked about doing a Legends of Localization on that, where it's like, this is a fan one and not the official one. And that has it. And I'm sure he'll talk about all of the particulars of that. And I'm just, I've been waiting for years and I'm dying for him to do that one day. But like, I cannot. I think more than anything I've recommended on this podcast, <laughs> I cannot recommend these books enough. They are some of my favorite books that I have ever read. I yeah, I would just feel like they have given me a deeper appreciation for translation, localization, and video games, and just in a way that just 
tickles my brain to no end and a reason I don't exactly understand why or how, but I just I just find fascinating. I would add there's there's just nothing like those. Yeah. Like that's one of those things where it's like the the localizations of these games have shaped such a significant part of the subculture for so many people in our generation and and the ones around it. And nobody writes about it. Nobody knows who did the localizations except this guy. You might get some like little interviews or something, <laughs> yeah. but this is literally a ride along. And this one even more than the other ones. You're yeah. literally riding along moment to moment, line, even not even the major things to every little, not every little detail, but like most of them where you get to see that process. That's why you, like I said it, like this one especially, it feels like this series of challenges and puzzles and battles where it's like making this one work and how do we capture these things and you got to think on it and like, um, I don't think I've said it yet, but the, I mean, there's multiple people that worked on it, but to capture that voice, to have one singular voice, which is not always the situation that games get when they get translated, there was only one major translator and he had help, but to help it keep one voice, yeah. there was essentially one guy who did all of it and they specifically said, this is going to take longer, but we want to get this one right because this is one to get right. And now Undertale is freaking massive in Japan, <laughs> which is good because it's kind of a love letter to old Japanese translations. So it feels very, but it would it if it had a trans a bad translation, it, it it wouldn't necessarily have done that. Well, and like it's just you read all the time about. I mean, if you're me, yeah, <laughs> you read all the time about like translating uh, like the Bible or Beowulf or or like any yeah. of the old classics. And there's all these arguments between the translators about how it should have been done and all this stuff. And video games, nobody knew this was going to be important when they started doing yeah. these things. Nobody even knew to argue about it. Or and, and with video games, it's not like there's some ancient manuscript out there in a museum that we can all take a look at. Like these files and spreadsheets only exist in like proprietary computer systems and only a handful of people ever get to look at the whole thing. So... It's just really neat to hear him talk about it because he's there's going to be more books like this in the future, but he's on like the cutting edge of it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's really neat from that angle, too. All right. And so to close this out, I will close this from one of the terrible translations from this be book, bad translation video games uh, before just before that, oh. um, just for everybody who should go out and find this yes. Legends of Localization. Yes. Bye. Clyde Mandolin, and mm -hmm. you can find this on fangamer.com, awesome. along with a lot of other incredible merch that I enjoy. Uh, and so this this final reading, never heard of this video game, but this is the, the page I turned to, and it struck my fancy, from 1994's Kingdom Grand Prix. Your, your technique is what marvelous. Now it is advancement to the following round. A more violent attack wait for you. Pay attention. That means it's the end. My only friend, the end. Well, <laughs> dire. It did sound like Kermit the Frog singing it, and it was pretty good. <laughs> uh, well, as normal, I want to thank everybody <laughs> for listening. Um, we, uh, we have a lot of fun recording these, so we hope everybody enjoys them as much as we enjoy doing it. So we'd like to hear what you think about our podcast, uh, and you can find all of our social media links, such as Twitter, Patreon, 
Facebook, and more by going to our website, animepodcasterreincarnation.com. You can also find various articles on uh, topics like new manga review, uh, as well as the episode links up there. So uh, go and check that out, and you can leave comments and, and all that fun stuff. You can even send us an email to isekai-sensei-sama at gmail.com. We've only got one email so far, and that was from Toby. We appreciate that. Um, but anybody can send an email there and, and talk to us about whatever. Yeah. Clearly, as you've seen, we respond. <laughs> Maybe a little too much. And if you would prefer to listen to this podcast in high-quality stereo, make sure you check out our YouTube channel where we simul release all of the episodes. Do you put it that like you were sitting in the room with us, so like I'm coming in on one side and Ben's coming in the other one and then you're oh, in the you've middle you've never channel. listened to it? No. I, yes, that's exactly what I do. I don't listen to it on the YouTube channel. I don't have to do that with head. Like, it's this is the problem. I listen to stereo. it on the podcast download and not the YouTube. Yeah, so. it's fully stereo. Am I in the left channel or in the right channel? Yeah, it's, it's from my perspective. Okay, so it's <laughs> <laughs> Brad POV podcast recording. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and before we go we just wanted to remind you to check out Segoy Mart where you can get 15% off your first order by using the link in the description or using the code APR15 check it so Ben what have you been talking about on words about books lately <laughs> that's a good question uh... <laughs> last episode I listened to was your uh, uh, judging books by its cover yeah. six or five five, five. Yeah, yeah, we got that. Um, we've got uh, the maid coming up. Our first proper like book club book in a while. It's from the Good Morning America Book Club. Oh my god! And I think we treat it with the respect and gravitas it deserves. <laughs> I can't wait oh to boy. listen to that. That if Nate has nothing but respect and gravitas. <laughs> uh, Kermit, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, listen to the last of the archive uh, pop culture toxins about copyright copy wrong. Yeah, that should be out the week after this comes out. So make sure you're subscribed. And as we mentioned at the beginning, or no, actually we mentioned that in <laughs> the intro for that. So um, let us know what you think about the pop culture talks on episodes because if people like those we'll, we'll maybe record another one hmm? well once again thanks for listening and remember if you find yourself confronted by a world with a monolithic culture you can always make your own way I know what to do to get energy. Alexa, play kickback. That went really long after a really long intro. Actually, that was that was about the normal amount of time we take for those. But Which the is, intro was very long. Yeah. And also, like, it's hot. Like, I'm dying. I'm almost ready to do the freaking Henry Zabrowski take my shirt off, which, like, I've never, <laughs> ever, ever done. And it's not even summer, which is very worrying. It tasted like Evie. Pikachu on <laughs> oh, it. no, no, you little... can't say that on the internet. No. <laughs> Why can't you say that? Like like the tiny dog? Hey, Brad. I'll, I'll tell you later. Hey, Brad. Oh, anyway. No. I vored a Pokemon when I ate it. Well, I have to cut that out. <laughs>
Well, now Pye you... Segoimar, you you two can form a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Just describe all eating is boring and make everybody uncomfortable. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> Remember, anime podcaster resurrection, 15. Reincarnation. Shoot, what did I say? Resurrection. Resurrection. <laughs> Cut that. There is an internet thing internet with vaporeon oh what i don't know anything about What's, this what is this i feel like this would be something <laughs> i'd be aware of it's it's basically well so it's like a i think it was originally like a green text okay you know the, uh, the yeah, no, thing. I know, okay. I know. yeah where this guy just described how Va- vaporeon was the perfect pokemon to have sex with <laughs> because of all of these different things and like, because it's—is it tongue in cheek or is it like no. he is in there? I mean, I mean, it's always hard to tell with fucking four chan grain text if there's yeah. if there's any amount of anyway self reflection in them. It became a huge thing, yeah, to the point <laughs> I'm sure, where because it's both funny and I get it. Like, <laughs> sure, whatever. The, you can't actually buy Vaporeon plushies anymore. Oh, what really? <laughs> Every time that somebody releases a new line and they have Eevee and Voltreon or whatever. Vol- yeah. They come out. Yeah. The Vaporeon one is always because sold of out this? immediately. Yeah, because people it's buy them. It's not real. Them. It's they, the, whatever benefits they're talking about aren't real. They buy them and they fuck them. Yes, I this got the, that. You got to leave this in because this is the common ground I this keep talking about. This is the, this is, <laughs> Brad, this goes in at the end. <laughs> this is the culture. <laughs> We've already sworn a bunch. This is already an explicit episode. <laughs> You don't actually have to leave it in. There is a... I want um, you to put it at the end. There's a YouTube video someone made recently. They animated... Oh, I thought you were going to say they fucked they, it and then talked about it on a blog. They basically animated the green text where it's like a uh, anthropomorph- anthropomorphized Vaporeon who is like reading all this stuff and getting excited for, <laughs> for the master to come home. <laughs> it's all as bad as you think it is. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, God. Every time I do this, I forget what the voice is last time and I end up hurting my vocal cords. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. He's my second favorite Japanese Italian next to Mario. I think I like Truxon more than Mario. Did you know in Super Dragon Ball Super Superhero Super? That um, the side character Carmine is voiced by Charles Martinet. I did not. That's I learned awesome. that today. I did not recognize <laughs> him, but I, in a review I was watching, somebody said it's Charles Martinet. I'm like, wow, I never would have guessed. I'm glad you, you know, if you have this much trouble with Dragon Ball Super Superhero, I'm glad you weren't around for Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan. Oh, yeah, no, I would have butchered <laughs> it very quickly. I really wish Chris Pratt would just go away. Sandbagging that that. felt incredible. I felt so powerful sandbagging that, and I'm glad Ben did too. I just wanted that to be like the noted ends off. Yeah. (laughs) And then the music cuts in. Awesome. I think we can all relate to that. More violent indeed. You, invaders, get you the hot bullets of shotgun to die. (laughs) 